Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. We all know of the antics of Wally the Walrus, right? But there's a pelican gone off in his holidays as well from Photo Wildlife Park and the Echo is keeping uh, kind of a pelican brief. Don't know what the pelican's name is. It was flicking through the stories this morning, but I don't think anybody's actually uh, disclosed the name of the pelican. This great white pelican that flew uh, the nest from Photo Wildlife Park, currently enjoying a staycation on the Avoca River in Wicklow. It's the second time... This pelican has left Cork for sunnier climes of Leinster. I don't know whether you might have pelican relatives up the East Coast or what have you, but it's a lovely way to start the newspapers this morning, I think, because God knows, uh, you know, there's enough to be getting on with with regards to uh, the call-outs now from near and far to get your children vaccinated. And it's the front page. It's a it's a medic's plea on the front page of uh, the Mail this morning. Dr. Gabriel Scally, who says it's a no-brainer for him, he says, I'd want to be vaccinated if it was me or indeed my child. So if you're interested in those kind of stats, many, many uh, parents have registered and indeed have had their children jabbed. 30,000 of them aged between 12 and 15 uh, got the COVID-19 jabs in the last couple of days. We're not getting any more Astra. We're not getting any more J&J. It'll be the Moderna mRNA from here on in, according to the Echo today. Uh, but they have all of these worries, of course, of COVID cases on the rise. And this is, uh, you know, August heading into September. So uh, by all accounts, we have 243 patients in hospital and 43 in ICU. So that's up somewhat. Uh, But they talked this morning uh, of the rollout of the vaccine going hand in hand, of course, uh, with trying to manage hospital numbers. But over a third of the outbreaks now are in the workplace. Uh, And also there's been a surge in cases connected to, to weddings um, there was one particular one where they talk of 30 people out of a 50 wedding uh, getting the virus alone. Uh, so a third of them, and of course we know that uh, wedding numbers increase. So a f- figure they're saying with the increase in numbers at weddings, you also have the increase of COVID at weddings. But musically and with regards to gigs and entertainment, it is kind of the, the only piece of the jigsaw puzzle that still remain, remains you know, unresolved really. 510 days um, and 35,000 people still out of work. And they're calling for a definite date for the reopening of music and other entertainment. Electric picnics been cancelled um, on the one hand, and then they're saying 40,000 fans can go and watch the All-Ireland Football and Hurling Finals in Croke Park. They're asking the question, what's going on? So there will be a, mini- a meeting between, uh, I think it's the Arts Minister, Catherine Martin, with, uh, with musicians, performers and DJs this week. And I believe there's also a protest here on Lee side to um, you know let people know of their plight. Uh, it's, it's really bizarre because I was driving through Kilorglan yesterday and this huge fun fair right in the middle of the square, the, the massive big car park. It's it's usually there for puck, but there it is. I mean, I don't know how many people were in there because it was literally driving past. But the big Ferris wheel was there and the the bumpers were going and you know the music associated with fun fairs and merries. So I thought it was quite interesting. You have you know can't do some things, but you can do that. I'm assuming you can do that. They wouldn't have put it up otherwise. But there's an interesting um, story in the Red Tops today with regards to the star, because today apparently is the 40th anniversary. It's 40 years today since the first concert took place at Slane Castle. Uh, And God, I mean, mean, the, the incredible lineup down through the years. It's mind-blowing. You're looking at, um, back in 81, Phil Linnett, 
kicking it off back then. The Rolling Stones, Bruce Springsteen, Queen, Guns N' Roses, Robbie Williams, Oasis, R.E.M. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's a great double page spread with super photographs of the different acts back in their day. Um, good to hear of, uh, you know, hospitality going from strength to strength. The Echo this morning says that Reardon's, Reardon's has Reardon's on Washington Street, obviously. It also has Chambers and Preachers in the Washington, on Washington Street, and the Oliver Plunkett uh, on Oliver Plunkett Street. Oliver Plunkett Street looks fabulous at the moment and so does Caroline Street. 60 new jobs for the four bars. Uh, and also the Echo's front page today uh, talks of uh, the um, Green Party councillor Oliver Moran who says that Patrick Street... St. Patrick Street, to give it its proper title, is effectively lawless when it comes to transport. On the one hand, we have these robotic city trees and the cost of them for this, you know, m- you know, minute amount of air filtration. And on the other hand, you have a, um, a car ban that's not being enforced. We spoke about that on the air, actually, Thursday and Friday. Be more on their line to be planting more trees and enforcing the car ban if they want to clear the air up in the Patrick Street and city centre area. But I like this idea from the Labour Party councillor, John Marr. He makes the echo as well. Because there are many cities around the world where public transport within the city is actually free. Well, not so much free, but it seemed that you pay it through your taxation. So imagine if we had free travel in and out of the city, how it could be coordinated or worked, or who'd ultimately pick up the tab for it, I don't know. But it would be one way of encouraging Cork people to go back in and to use the city centre. Front page of the Examiner this morning talks uh, with female TDs who have broken the silence on harassment, sexually explicit letters sent to them, um, men calling to their constituency office, turning up in the doll, horrific stuff on the front page this morning. Uh, and they all spoke on conditions of anonymity. And could you blame them? Papers also, you know, we talk of, um, you know, matters relating to uh, sex and allegations of same. Prince Andrew's legal team now are going to try and get, this is a story from the mirror, so I'll just read the, the actual paragraph. Sometimes Um, You know, they're kind of written quite coldly, so it's them, not me. Prince Andrew's legal team may try to get his rape accuser's claim thrown out of court by claiming that he had diplomatic immunity. So there's the story that rolls on and on. But the big international story, if you're following it, is the Taliban, who have now, uh, this time last week, everybody, the Americans, the British, those within the Afghani government were saying, under no circumstances will it ever happen that the Taliban will get into Kabul. And what happened over the weekend? They certainly did that. So that dominates all of the international sections uh, of the newspapers today. And you have to ask the question, if you had a martial arts skill, would you use it if you were attacked or if you were mugged or if you were set upon? I ask that actually because some of the red tops today uh, talk with a, a lovely guy who got an awful beating in Dublin at the weekend, Jack Woolley. He's only 22 years old. Uh, He's a martial arts Olympian. He was randomly attacked in the streets and he chose not to use his skills to fight back. But there's some Taekwondo star. There's there's some awful photographs of the injuries. And I won't go into too much detail at this hour of the morning, but the amount of blood on his body after this random attack. uh, I just was wondering, if you had a skill like that, he says he won't use it against people. And that, of course, is uh, that, that that's his business and that's his decision. But you have to wonder, w- would you not use it in, in self-defense? I mean, you know, if, if, if you have it, why not use it? But anyway, the hurling makes many of the papers today with the Lord Mayor again calling on Corconians to paint the town red in the countdown to the All-Ireland senior hurling final between Cork and Limerick and Croke Park next Sunday. And we'll be doing red, white and red, white uh, bunting flags and 
um, reports throughout the course of the week. I was just chatting there with uh, Colm O'Sullivan as we're doing the switch over at nine o'clock. He's out and about a lot. He's seen some great efforts being made and he wants to pick out Ballon Colleague as making a, a real serious effort with regards to colours and Fernstone. So he's going to be chatting with me uh, through the week just on kind of uh, red and white alert as we big up uh, the hurlers uh, across this week in the countdown to the All-Ireland hurling final. But if you if you call up a tradesperson to get a job done, it's a lovely story in the mirror saying that the electricians might get the job done and they might be bright sparks when it comes to having the crack with you, but you'll get an awful shock from their bill, apparently. So the mirror this morning is saying, there's survey out saying that electricians are the ones with the sauciest bills. Apparently painters and decorators are deemed to be, deemed to be the best crack and they are. <laughs> you know, painter and decorators, like, and you could spend the day chatting with them. They get no work done. So they're perceived to be the best crack. And um, most people, three out of four people, when they hire a tradesperson, do so on the basis of word of mouth. Somebody who's had the work done gets them done. It's a bit like, do you ever see people uh, doing windows in housing estates? You know, might be doing the windows and stuff like that inside and out. The whole of the park then gets the same people to do the windows. It can happen a lot of time when you see people lopping trees. Uh, you often find others in the park then going over to the tree loppers and get them to do their work as well. But plumbers were voted the second most um, professional and also the second most expensive. So electricians, number one for professionalism and price, followed by plumbers, painters and decorators for the crack. The Neil Prenderville Show. Yes, indeed. The lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. A lot of little kind of lovely kind of nostalgia, sentimentally kind of stories in the papers this morning. I save one of them because I want to come back to it a little later on this, mor- this morning. It's the smells of summer. You know, the scents of our summer past. You know, the different smells and things that you did in your summertime as a youth, a young child or whatever the case may be. And I'll come back to it. They did a survey of a thousand people. Uh, the classic smells of cut grass and barbecues, number one. So cut grass and summertime barbecues. They also talk about the, the smell of silage. But <laughs> last time I checked, that wasn't a particularly likable smell, was it? But there's lots more than that. We'll come back to them across the morning. It was like on Friday we were chatting also as to, you know, the, um, the untruths or the lies you tell your children. We had a good laugh with that off the air and I want to chat about that a little later on. Uh, like Emer was telling me that someone she know, knew years ago used to tell the kids when they'd hear the sound of the Mr. Whippy van, you know, um, green sleeves or whatever it used to be in the Whippy van, that the mother used to tell the children, yeah, that's the sound of the Whippy van. But the sound you're hearing actually is the sound of when all the ice cream is actually gone. You know, the Whippy van sound is when the ice cream is actually gone. <laughs> Oh, is that right, ma'am? Okay, we'll be we'll be faster next time, ma'am, won't we? We will. We will. <laughs> Talk about a ma'am with a guilty conscience. Anyway, last Friday, what an exciting program on Friday. Notwithstanding the fact that they're all exciting, but it was really mind you. Of, um, uh, remember Annika Rice all those years ago? It was a bit like that, trying to beat the clock to catch the flight. What a day we had on Friday, trying to get Tina on that airplane particularly the last hour of the show, because I think she was sham with me at about a quarter past 11, right? And the flight turned out to be at 20 past 12, 
and she made it. And she was heartbroken that she wasn't going to make it because she was stranded at Cork Airport. She'd left the airport, actually, and was going home and stuff like that. And her daughter, Stacy and the hen party flew to Palma without her. And Stacy didn't get her PCR test result on time. And she had to wave all the hens off. And she was bawling, crying. Now, at the end of the day, of course, it was more to do with her email address as opposed to the people at Randox who had actually sent it on time. But anyway, if you're listening on Friday, I came back on the air again after 12 o'clock. If anybody had turned off and I was on the air for another 10 or 12 minutes, just talking through the story until she eventually got into the Ryanair plight, uh, flight and the plane closed doors. But here's a recap uh, of Tina and the flight, <laughs> the flight to Magaluf. No, that, uh, that's not playing actually, unfortunately. I don't know why. So I'll pick up on it after the break. We'll see if we can sort out this tech issue and come back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. I mean, so many people got involved in this story and I'll go through the list of individuals who are involved in it in a few minutes' time. But I think they managed to sort out tech issues. So this is a, just a recap as to what happened on Friday morning. Tina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Oh my God, the worst of news. What happened? Talk us through it. Um, my daughter's hen, um, Stacey, uh, today in uh, Magaluf. You went for a PCR test Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Paid your 69 yeah. euro, I think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And they, they knew that it was a hen. I told them, will it be back now? Because you know, you'll be panicking. Like She said, it'll be, it'll be back. And I was checking it during the night and there was nothing came through. All the girls got theirs back yesterday. I didn't get mine back. I still went to the airport, Neil, with the girls, like the bus collected us. And um, they were trying to get me a, a, a test in the airport, but the, the next available one was at 10 to 11 and it was too late. What time is the flight at? Five past 11. And all the girls got on the flight? They did. Uh, my, my daughter was heartbroken. She nearly missed the flight because she came back out of the airport hoping he'd kiss me and crying. Oh my God, that must have been an awful yeah, experience for you to go through. I'm going home now with the mother of the bride t-shirt on me. Have you? St- oh God, Tina. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. And they're all gone yeah. off to Megaloof without you. They're all gone off now. Yeah. You have to get out there. Well, how long are they going for? They'll be back Monday. Oh no. There's a flight. Um, there's a Ryanair flight in an hour and ten minutes out of Cork. I'm just thinking out loud here. Twenty-two minutes past eleven. If we could just get the PCR test sorted in the next 10 or 15 minutes get you to the airport see if we can get you on the plane <laughs> will we try Connor Phelan has Phelan's Pharmacy on the Kinsale Road I know it well Connor good morning good morning Neil how are you you can get an antigen test done and how quickly can you get the result to her well the result we, we can email it to her as she's on her way up to the airport we'll have it after 15 minutes for okay. her Tina Hi, Neil. are you mobile are you alright I am. You're upset? I am. Do you know where Phelan's Pharmacy is on the Kinsale Road? Kinsale Road's roundabout Phelan's, is it? Yeah. You need to get there now. She's 
currently going through security. <laughs> so we just have to say a massive, massive thanks to Brian Dunphy. He was our man who went up to Randox. He's helped us with other things in the past as well. He's Mahan Glanthorn man. Uh, well, he was Mahan now Glanthorn. Did he get the he Randox the, thing sorted? He got the Randox thing sorted for us. What was wrong? It was her email. It was the wrong email. Well, it was the right email rather, but it just wasn't going to her. So we uh, uh, jumped through some GDPR loops and uh, it sorted. <laughs> well uh, done, Brian Dunphy. Where are you now? Hi, Neil. I'm, I'm going on to the plane now with Maria. Are you walking on? How close to the plane are you? Very close. Where are we, Maria? Huh? Will I put her on to Neil? Just to find out, will I hold on to see if I can get you literally in the doors? Is, is uh, Maria your escort? Hi, Neil. Hi, I, work for, <laughs> I work for Swissport here in Cork Airport. <laughs> I think I saved the day by making the booking. That's why it opened up for in the escort. Well I done. After putting her shoes on, tying them up for her, getting her ready, and I'm taking her to the airport right now. Right. How long will okay. that take, do you think, uh, Maria? I reckon two minutes. Not right. even. We're, we're giving her VIP treatment <laughs> all the way. Okay. I'd love you, to see. You see the magic, you can work. <laughs> see the magic, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> we got Niall, we got Dorothy, we got Tina, we got Maria. Well, I tell you, we can pull rabbits out of hats well, you, when this, you get on the air. You certainly <laughs> did pull out all of the stops because I know there are protocols involved. So thank you so much for doing all of that. Pack up, let's fly away. What happened after the flight took off and headed off to Magaluf? Let's get an update on that part of the story. Tina, good morning. Good morning, Eve. Oh, my God. I was in the horrors even listening to it again, were you? <laughs> I was. How was the flight? Um, amazing flight, Neil. I, it just flew. Uh, like, it passed by so quick and um, they were so kind to me on the flight. I know, because you're a nervous <laughs> flyer anyway, aren't you? Yeah, it was my first time flying alone. Nobody I with me. Know. Nobody, like, you know, none of my family are. I know, like, I know. And that was a worry. Oh. But I'd say half the plane knew of your plight or the situation you they were did. in. They did. They did. <laughs> were they chatting yeah. with you about it? Oh, they were. Yeah. <laughs> they were. Oh, my God. You got the VIP yeah. treatment. Okay. So when when you landed, what what happened next with regards to... Because Stacey and mm. the girls, had they gone at that stage? Oh, they were gone, Neil. Uh, yeah. Um, when I landed, there was um, a taxi booked for me, but it was like a bus. There was the bus that they had already gotten, and I got into the bu- into the bus, and he took my case and whatever. And um, he wasn't moving at all. I thought there was other people coming on with me, but, they, but there was no one. I said, "Sorry, uh, will you bring me?" He, he said he didn't know where the hotel was, so I got back out. Well, the and, gang, well, did, um, did the gang not come back for you or did they know you were on the way? No, neither. They couldn't wait to get there or they were worried about me at all. <laughs> they knew you were they flying. Were living their best lives when they landed. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, they were ringing me now. I sat down then, Neil, outside and I just took it all and I was overwhelming myself. And um, They say you were yeah, overwhelmed when you were hit with the heat to begin with and a bit of a weakness the heat, then. Yeah. A bit of a weakness know, with everything. Yeah. I need no one with me then. Like, that was my first time. <laughs> You're probably um, cursing me. I didn't know what to do. So I was I was crying more. I was heartbroken when I landed. <laughs> and I, I, I was now. Um, what did he get yeah, me I mean, into? Why didn't I just go? Really. Why didn't I just go home? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I was delighted to come. It was a brilliant weekend. 
How did you find the hotel then? I got, um, Stacey rang uh, while I was in the taxi, so, and she told the man, the man had good English, the other first man didn't, um, <laughs> couldn't understand, or else he was only messing around, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where were so, you staying, the Ocean Beach, was it? No, Neil, I thought that was the name of the, the Hallelujah Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah Hotel is up a big hill and the noise I didn't sleep for three nights I make the house like I went to home. The noise is it was what not construction, partying, is it? Nearly partying now up uh, over us last night, like <laughs> I'm not used to it. I know, sure. I'm not used to this. You you just grow out of all of that, you see, that's the thing, you know? I don't think I ever did this meal in my life. I, I never did. I never did this. Oh, what I'm did you? And I'm happy with that. Settled and happy. But what did you think a hen would be like? It's not a trip to Medjugorje or Lourdes, you know. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can understand I why. I can understand why you were confused when you landed because you were going with a gang of girls, and you you were going to allow them to do all of that stuff. You were just going to go with them. So you were you arrived not with the best preparation in the world, but you got there. The weather was nice. What? How did you spend the few days? We went to Ocean Beach, no Neil. Um, the next day was it? The following day, yeah. Um, that was the best part, Ocean Beach. Yesterday I didn't go with them at all, Neil. Um, <laughs> it was another big party thing they were going to. I couldn't go. <laughs> I stayed by the pool. Dead. And I didn't go with him last night either. You're dead right. Just the once will do you. Take a few days to recover. Yeah, the from once. Now, Ocean Beach was fantastic, Neil. It was brilliant. Um, we met people from Galway and all our own kind of people there. Yeah, and, I know. Uh, that I was know. the best part of it. But the, the best part overall was you getting me out here. Um, it was great fun. You know, we only had 50 memories, Neil. Yeah. The memories and to Cork Airport, all the people involved, I, like in the background that I don't know. But I have to uh, give a special mention to Maria Spillane or Sullivan that she was tying my shoes and all needs. She was brilliant. That's, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Why were your I shoes off? off my shoes. I had to take my shoes off going through. Um, oh, yeah, of course. I had high heels on me, name. Oh, <laughs> 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 I had high heels on me. I was dressed like them. And then I was I was, I was like a sore tummy on the plane. Did you still have the I Mother of the Bride t shirt on you? Yeah, you did, Tina, did you? I did, Neil. And I kind of, I was, I was crying on the plane. I was up the front. Now they sat me up the front by my VIP up the front. I loved it. <laughs> And I, I was asked, did I want chocolate? Did I want tea? Did I want a drink? off Ryanair for free. Oh, I my said, God. I'm happy with the cup of tea. It's an amazing you get anything crazy. from Ryanair for free, but fair play to them. Every single but one they, of them. Oh, they were so, so nice. Did so you get nice. out for a nice meal? I mean, I know you're enjoying the pool and I know oh, you've I been to the mean, beach. We went, we, went for a, we went to the steakhouse last night. It was beautiful. Um, me and three of the, the hens that didn't go out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we did. Yeah. We had nice food, like. But you're you're clear headed and full of the joys of spring this morning, and they probably all have hangovers. You see, so you're laughing. Oh, they're still in bed. Yeah, they're still in bed. Neil, some of them, um, <laughs> including Stacey. <laughs> but um, so there's no there's no way that I get Stacey on the end of a phone. Then is it? No, no way. This morning. 
she was up for she knew that we were going on this morning she said I will her voice is gone and she had no voice at all so there was one of the hens said they'll come on she's asleep as right Tara <laughs> Uh, I, love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, no, Ooh. they were a great bunch of girls, mate. Oh, oh a lot God. of them. Uh, lovely. Story. All got on very well and great time. And but I won't be going on another hand. That's it now. <laughs> well, listen, all of the different people involved included Brian Dunphy, who was listening at the time on Friday Friday morning. He he was in the Silver Springs area. He went over to Randox and he sorted out your test. To the staff at Randox who pulled it out of the fire at the end of the day. To Gronje Good from Swissport. Gronje Good from Swissport was listening to the program it was, as it was unfolding on Friday morning at home. And she picked up the phone and rang her colleagues at the airport. Uh, Connor Phelan at Phelan's Pharmacy, of course, who offered to do the quick turnaround PCR test. Niall McCarthy, the boss at Cork Airport. Dorothy Coffey. Uh, Maria Spilano Sullivan from Swissport, who you referred to. And everybody at Cork Airport and all at security who got you through safely and all of the staff at Ryanair from the pilot and all of the crew. There were so many people involved. I know, Neil. It was, it was, I couldn't believe it that there were so many involved. What a memory. What a memory. When what are you memory. home? When are you flying yeah. home? We're, we're leaving our half at 12 over here. Our place is at 25 to 4. So... At the end of the day, you're delighted you got there. The end of the day, that's all that matters. Cause I it's, am yeah. delighted, Nate. And I wouldn't be here only for all of you and all the people that you mentioned. I'm so grateful. It was a great story. And the response by text and by phone and on social media, are you aware of that? It was huge. Huge. And even the hens last night, no, um, there was the, even the girl hens me last night. They were saying they're getting texts about me. And I got a lot of texts myself. Everybody was talking about it. And everybody was listening on Friday morning, willing you to make the plane. And you did. I know, I know. And in fairness to you, you didn't panic. You did what you were told to do. You got to the places you were told to get to. And you got to the plane. Well done. I know I did. Thanks well very much, Neil. Well, listen, enjoy the last few hours of sunshine and the last few hours of the hen. And it's great to chat with you this morning. I'm delighted everything went so well. Thanks, Neil. You're so kind. Thank you. You're and the to everyone. And Brenda, thanks very much. You're very grateful, and that's all that matters. Tina, lovely chatting with you again. Safe trip home. Regards to Stacey and all of the girls. Turn the music up really loud now in the apartment, right? Start banging (laughs) pots and pans and stuff, driving mad. (laughs) Thanks very much, Neil. Bye. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Just wouldn't be able to read out all of the amount of texts and comments that we got on Tina's flight. One of the best shows ever. Well done to Neil and Red FM for going above and beyond everything to get that lady to her daughter's hen party. Oh my God, it's nail-biting stuff. I'm dangling on the edge of my seat here, sending good vibes to all. Well, your good vibes helped, in fairness to you. What you put out, you get back. It's times like these I love listening to live radio. Superstars, every one of those involved. We're too fast to complain. We need to praise the good more. So thank you for continuing the story on air. I went back on air after 12 for a few minutes just to, just to round the hoop. 
Wow, what an absolutely brilliant job. Well done. Thanks to everybody for getting Tina to her daughter's hen. Huge congratulations. That was some cracks, says Eilish. Fantastic work. Still smiling all day. So happy for the lady who will make her daughter's hen. Well done to everybody who managed to pull this off in such a short time. Well done, guys. The excitement in my house over Tina making the plane. Well done, guys, to all, says Gemma. That's just a selection. There are literally reams of them. I think sometimes it just shows the best in all of us, doesn't it? Particularly the best of Cork. Uh, and sometimes, I know we are a city, but sometimes we're just like one big village. All of these different people who happen to be listening. You know, if we didn't have a Swiss port worker listening at home, um, down, I think, in and around the Belgoody area, you know, if we didn't have a chap listening up in Silver Springs, if we weren't able to get, you know, you know the way it is. It's just like karma. Uh, fantastic. Everything worked out in the end. So thank you to everybody who got involved. It was absolutely terrific. So what's our next challenge? What our next trick be? <laughs> what rabbit will we pull from the hat next? <laughs> and on we go. Anyway, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. Lots to do between now and midday. Over the weekend, apparently... Uh, a family were down in Luigi's restaurant in Yall. He has La Bella Roma. I love popping down there from time to time. I'm overdue a visit for the uh, spaghetti vongola, the spaghetti with clams. He knows his Italian food. Super, super menu down there. But on this occasion, uh, this family with young children, I believe, were not very happy and they left a one-star review which I think is the least you can leave. I don't know, if you can't leave no stars. You can't, I think you have to leave one or two or three or four or five. Um, the backstory to this actually has to do with their complaint, but also Luigi's response. So to talk us through the story, the man himself, Chef, good morning. Good morning, how are you? And, and I'm seeing more and more restaurants and owners, um, you know, pushing back to bad reviews and responding to them. Um, you know, and, and not taking it lying down or not taking I, it lightly. I found this very unfair, you know, as in, like, um, she didn't really tell the whole story, you know, where uh, nowadays before we sit people because of the recent events, it's not like before where you come in, you sit down, we give you a menu, you know, we ask people to look at the menu first, you know, decide if they want to stay outside in the garden or not. And then, you know, we serve them just in case they go in the garden, they sit down, they don't like the menu and they leave. And then we have to sanitize all the tables for nothing. Okay, so, this so look at the menu first. But they, they, we showed them the menu. They put up a review that said, we didn't eat here in the end because they don't have any kids meals at all. Yes. You have to order your child an adult's meal here. And that's madness. And they were referring to uh, La Bella Roma. Look, so we have a lot of families, like continuously, all, all summer we had a lot of families. All they do is they order a few dishes and they share among them, like a lasagna, a pizza. You know, if people, somebody asks for a plain pasta, we make a plain pasta. They want pasta with tomato sauce, butter. You know, it's not a problem. Um, but but they weren't happy with what we had to offer. So, I mean, so you, you know responded I mean? to that no yeah. menu. Yeah, there was no, as, as I said, they don't do kids meals. So you responded saying, dear Karen, I'll come back to that in a second. Thanks for your review. We never had a kids menu since our menu has plenty of choices for kids like pizza and pasta. It's our goal to give our customers and especially the young ones the best products available. That is why there is no kids menu, including chicken nuggets, sausages or burgers for kids. If parents want to poison their kids with badly processed food, 
They can do it elsewhere. Plenty of choices around, but please do not ask us to do it for you. It is not right. We had plenty of happy families and kids in our premises, happy to share a pizza or pasta with their children and never been an issue. I do believe I remember your table. Your partner spent 15 euro on beer, but it was kind of was kind of upset that he had to spend 950 for a pizza to share. What a strange world we live in. Regards, Luigi. And then you pushed click. Do you regret pushing click? No, because I I I want I wanted to also send a message out there. Like this this needs to come to an end. You know, when a business owner decides to put a kid's menu there, they can't just shove a few frozen products and, 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 and you know, just go like, okay, kids' menu, we got chicken nuggets, sausage and chips, sausage and mush. You know, there is more, as a business owner, as a chef, you have a responsibility there. It's your duty to do something about it, not what's easiest for you. You regard those as being bad food options, do you? Look, for a child, yes. For a child, yes. For an adult, you are okay to eat a certain type of fat and certain type of meat that have been processed. For a child whose stomach hasn't developed yet to, to, to break down those fats. You believe we're poisoning our children with foods like frozen nuggets? It's not going to be good. I'm telling you, you can see it around how, you know, I, now I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to offend any family that feeds their children that stuff, but they need to consider that they're not doing it right. You know what I mean? There is so much salt and sugar, even the mechanical recovered meat. Like these these sausages and nuggets, they're made with mechanical recovered meat. Why would you? What is mechanically recovered meat? After butchering, let's say a chicken or or a, or a pork or, or a beef, the carcasses uh, are put to a machine apart from uh, the spine. Uh, since uh, the mad cow disease. So all these bones go to this machine that presses the carcasses and squeezes out whatever little bit of meat is in there and fat and tendons, and they mix it together into a paste and they make uh, what you know as the chicken nuggets. And know? how do they make that awfully sounding meat, if you call it that, taste so delicious? Because... Because then, you know, they add flavoring, colorants, ammonia to make sure uh, they don't get sick. Because when you mix a lot of meat together, there might be cross-contamination. So the problem is that ammonia that they put in there. The problem is that uh, uh, preservatives and colorants. I swear to God, years ago, I started to make homemade chicken nuggets just to... To say, okay, I'm trying, you know, I'm trying to, to, you know, to give you, so we make our own chicken nuggets. They weren't eating them. The parents were saying, sorry, you know, like it doesn't taste like the one you normally eat. Of course, <laughs> because they, they're not eating real chicken, you know, they're eating. If you look at the back of this packaging, you will see it's 50% chicken. It never says, uh, you know, like 100% or, you know, it's, it's, um, it's the food industry that is wrong. So it's your foods like your nuggets and your sausages and your burgers and your fries that are making our children fat. Yeah. Like you, if this is continuous, if that's all you offer every time you go out, you know what I mean, as a treat, which is not a treat. And also, but, why, but why didn't they order pizza? Like kids love pizza. Was it that they felt know. they were too I dear? To be honest, 
I don't know. I don't know because uh, that's what everybody has been doing. And honestly, our pizza, people are saying, oh, Luigi, you're so well-priced. You know, maybe they come from Cork where the margarita is 12, 13 euros. And then they see my mar- large margarita at 9.50. It's, it's, it's nothing. You know, if, if for a child meal you spend 7, 8 euros, you know, if you spend 9.50 and you have a pizza slice left... Maybe the parents can eat it. Maybe the parents can take it home. Yeah, I think nine fifty for a large pizza to share with them. I don't know how many kids there were, but it, it sounds to me like oh, a great option. A, look, the problem was that they made me set the table. I went out. I put tables together. I set the table. The two men were drinking. I told them they couldn't drink because I don't have a pub license. You know, to drink in my place, you have to eat. I could get in trouble for that. So they lounged there for 10, 15, 20 minutes drinking their beers. And then all of a sudden he came and he said, oh, I just spoke to my wife on the phone. She's not coming because you don't have a, a kid's menu. And I'm like, man, you can't do that. You know, like the moment you step in, you, you're asking us to serve you. And you know, we put the tables together. Now, you know how it is nowadays. We have to sanitize all the chairs. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, it's a dose. Yeah, but it has to be done. But nothing when the menu was on the door. They knew what we were serving. They knew we didn't have it. They went to Supermax. And they went, they hated to Supermax. She grabbed all the children and they went to Supermax. But Which maybe, I yeah, I know, you know, maybe they should have read the menu. Why did you call her Karen? Because uh, I couldn't understand that because Karen, they tell me, is a slang term for an op- obnoxious, angry, entitled, middle-aged white woman um, who's got attitude in, problems. In, in general, nowadays, uh, you call a Karen somebody that complains and overreacts for, for nothing. But why, why have they picked on the poor people with the name Karen? I think it has to do with an American thing. I guess all of these started in America. Are they trying to say that women with the name Karen are are a pain in the ass or something? I just hope they make the men equivalent now, you know, so it can be equally balanced. I don't know, maybe somebody will come up. Because we have some male Karens too sometimes. So Karens are people who go into a restaurant and you know there's going to be trouble, is it? There's going to be uh, something yeah. wrong. I know. I know right away sometimes when, you know, nowadays we're not serving tap water because there was a lot of rain and sometimes water comes out, um, you know, a bit brownish. I don't want to risk to serve that water to people. So sometimes we have to say, sorry, we're not serving tap water. We're giving just bottled water, which I charge very little, maybe a euro for a small bottle, two euro for a large one. And people are shocked. They're like, you don't give tap water? This is not right. You know, I don't want to buy water. They don't believe you, perhaps, water. when you say the water's brown, you yeah, say. Yeah, they think I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, same with this thing. They think I'm trying to make more money, not selling kids' money. So do you think that restaurants should not, unless they make their own chicken nuggets, ever serve food for children like nuggets, sausages and burgers? They need to, they need, a chef needs, when a chef needs a menu, he needs them to understand that children need to be treated Almost like an adult. If you could, if you cook a nice meal for an adult, and you get the best steak, and you get the best piece of fish, you should do the same for a child. You know what I mean? You should, you should try to to get, uh, you know, nice ingredients. You know, and not not just uh, resolve to some uh, packet of cheap frozen chicken nuggets or or sausages. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I know. But at the same time, I understand that sometimes kids like treats when they go out and all they have in mind is a burger or a, you know, you know chicken nuggets or, or a sausage. Well, well, do you not do a kid's pizza? 
Um, look, the problem is this. Um, I'm running my business on my own. You know, I'm literally struggling to do what I'm doing nowadays. I, I cannot, uh, at this stage, I can't shape the pizza dough. I wake up every morning at 7, I do my pizza dough. You know, I shape it and I make size for adults. So we make one size pizza, which is a 12 inches. For me to make, a, let's say, a, a, another set of pizza dough, which is smaller, requires no, more No, it's the same space. dough, Luigi, though, surely, isn't it? It's just a different I size. know, but then it requires, I require more space to store that dough. What if I don't sell those kids' pizzas? You know what I mean? What if I do those, those kids' pizzas and then it sits there for a day or two and then boof, is gone and I don't sell it? When it's easier to make one size, you can share it again. You know, maybe a parent can get a pasta and the child the pizza, and if the child leaves one slice behind, the child, the, the parent can eat it. You know, it's not going to go wasted. Again, I'm not trying to rip people off here, you know. Since, since the pandemic, everything changed. Yeah. People need to understand yeah. that whatever we're doing nowadays is beyond comprehensible. Trying to, to keep, uh, you know, in line with the recommendation, trying to do what... Yeah, but if you, want, if you want families to come through the door, I would encourage you to get a kid-sized pizza. I'm only saying that, you know. I'm just thinking that mm. it, might be a, it might be a step in the right direction. Um, um, it, my goal always was to give, uh, like, an authentic experience. Like in Italy, you don't get. Um, I know this is weird. You'll be like, Rich, you're not in Italy. You are in Ireland. Okay, I understand. But again, there is a pinch of choice there. If you wanted to go for. Um, for um, I'm not saying I'm happy with what I have. My restaurant is always full. If people don't like what I do, they can go elsewhere. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is nowadays, this is what can I do? I can do. You know what I mean? This is what I have to offer. Then it's the customer choice to decide to step in or just go somewhere else. You know how many people have been telling me what to do, what not to do? People that don't even know what it means to run a business. <laughs> people don't know what it means to run a restaurant. It's so hard to, to try to... To keep, I used to have a kid's menu and then people complained, oh, the lasagna is too small for my child. And I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do here? You know, for some it's too, it's too much, for some it's too little. So we, we try to give it that experience where parents... You don't, you don't, I suppose you don't believe that the customer is always right then? We accept the criticism and we accept the know, suggestion, yeah. but what she wrote was so unfair. They didn't try the food, you know, this was all about, oh, my kids didn't like any of what you had on the menu. Because if they liked anything of those pizzas... No, I think pasta, what they said is you have to order your child an adult's meal. But what's an adult... Why can't children eat what the adults eat? I don't understand. You know what I mean? Yeah, and Why I think that I think there's a growing amount of people who would agree with that because they are beginning to realize that frozen nuggets, whatever they contain, or sausages or burgers, is not a healthy diet. It's a nice treat, but it isn't a healthy diet. It's a treat. It's a yeah. nice. Okay. I do it myself. I okay. go out for a, you know some kind of some food like that every now and then. But for children, we need to be careful because again, their system, their digestive system, is not developed yet to break down those fats, to break down those sugars. You know, like it's um, it's it's a complex. This food that we that comes out of a factory. It's very complex to digest. It's a fact. If I studied in university. I'm, I'm talking like this because I know what I'm talking about. And I can tell you there is an imminent danger. Because if we keep going like this, 
again, I don't want to be offensive. It seems Ireland has been very much Americanized, you know, when it comes to this type of food. You, you know what I mean? You well, know, like you notice these days food. we eat like Americans and more and more people seem to be talking like Americans. But you, you, believe, we're poisoning, you believe we're poisoning our children. You, you actually say that if parents run, want to poison their kids run. with badly processed food, they can do it elsewhere. It's a, it's my opinion. Again, okay. I I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to, but for what I see sometimes when somebody comes in and I see their faces, oh, you don't have sausages. Oh, you don't have nuggets. And it's like, oh, my entire world has collapsed now. What am I going to eat? And I'm like, hello. It's like a lot. A lot kids eat pizza. Food. Kids eat pasta. Kids yeah, eat spaghetti. And it, and it also could be a bit of an adventure, you know, to try and tempt them into. Exactly. You know, it's the Italian way anyway to sit around and to share dishes, isn't but it? I think it's also a, a shortcut nowadays where, let's say, you are a busy mom and maybe you're not. But, you know, you can just five, six o'clock, you can just get something out of the freezer. Boom. You know, like 10, 15 minutes and you have a meal ready. Boom. No All right. worry. Okay. No, you know, like, uh, oh, you're going out and you're like, okay, what am I going to do? Um, you know, fight with my child and try to make him eat some vegetables and something nice or I just give it, give them what they want, which is not always good. You know what I mean? Okay. Especially when you pay too little. When you see something like that cheap, can be good for you. Okay. There's no way it can be good. All right. I want to get people texting on this. Text 0868104106. Here's an interesting one in defense of you. Chrissy says, well, this is even more reason to go to his restaurant now. Real food and options for kids. Thumbs up. I have a fellow who doesn't eat chips, doesn't eat nuggets, doesn't eat burgers or pizza, but pasta dishes he'll devour. If the food is that fresh, I'll be calling very soon, says Chrissy. So somebody there That's giving good. you the thumbs up. All right. Like okay. For- for example, I tell you, in the last year or so, we, we started to gather more for, you know, uh, celiac um, vegans and vegetarians because we realized that there is demand out there. People are looking for these healthy options. You know, I think it's bad on my side to turn my back to those people. They come in and they say, oh, geez, you have no options for somebody that wants to eat healthy, for example, you know. Yeah. You have plenty of options for those that don't want to eat healthy, but for me, that I want something nice, something good, something fresh, there is nothing there. So, I might have taken a risk, but I'd rather keep going like this, you know, and, 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 and try to take care of people's health that way. You okay, know. so they paid their beer bill and left then? They paid their beer, yeah, and they stayed there like 20 minutes or so. In fact, I was wondering, like, guys, are you going to eat? Because if somebody comes in and they see you drinking without food, I'm in trouble. Yeah. I okay. don't have a pub license, you know. It's a, it's a bit complicated. Okay, um, my man. Listen, thanks for taking the call. Uh, have a good you. week. Thank you. See you soon. That's Luigi down at La Bella Roma fighting his corner. Your thoughts on chicken nuggets, sausages, burgers, and food for kids. Text 0868 Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. The article in the mail this morning which talks about the uh, sunny moments of nostalgia that are seared into our conscience include classic summer smells like cut grass, barbecues and silage. 
Uh, not the greatest thing in the world if you're stuck behind uh, the one of the ones that sprays the silage, um, you know, when it's in, in liquid form. If you're stuck in traffic behind them or behind them on a country road, you know what that's all about. Eating a 99 ice cream cone came in as a joint first. Hitting the beach... Outdoor eating and drinking in the sun, sunbathing in the back garden or on the balcony or in the local park, listening to live music outside, remember that, swimming in the rivers, the lakes and the canals. Uh, Another sunny moment that seared on people's consciousness apparently is forgetting your suntan lotion and getting sunburnt. Or missing a spot, I suppose. The hot, packed car journeys with families and pets. The young love the flirting and the hanging out on your holliers, uh, saving the hay and harvest on the farm, another summer memory for many people. Uh, I went to school years ago when uh, it was back in, in Ashton and the, a lot of the young boys and girls actually boarded in La Rochelle. But one of the things that we met years later, and you forget when you're going to school as to you know, where people come from. You hear they come from up the country and they're boarding, uh, say, for instance, in a, in a secondary school. In Cork, but a lot of them were telling me stories years later how, you know, their summer when they left school and went back up the country to their summer counties was to save the hay. And that's what they did for the entire summer, or at least a long portion of it. The long summer evenings is another one. Um, heading to a GAA championship with family and friends, and the dreaded summer scourge of wasps and midges. I had a long conversation about two weeks ago with somebody who was telling me, did you know, they said to me, that for years and years, I thought that those little flying things that drove us crazy were actually called midgets. And all of us did as kids use that word. Whereas the correct one, of course, is midges. But if I'm missing out on any of those summer memories, I don't want to be saying that our summer is already a memory, but do text 0868104106. Lots of emails and texts on different topics of conversation. I absolutely love this one from Arthur. He says, please, Neil, we just start a campaign to have Porky Cueve open next Sunday to screen the All-Ireland final. This is the biggest sporting event for Cork in years. The capacity for Croke Park is limited to 40,000. Surely Porky Cueve could do something with big screens on Sunday. I think it's a fantastic idea. We'll pass it on to the powers that be. I don't know whether they thought about it themselves or what. But if they haven't, perhaps they should do. And we will come back to that if it could happen, even at this late stage. Well and good. A lot of other ones then. This is an interesting one. Just had a phone call with regards to people who have missed flights. Listening to Tina, who couldn't get on the flight. Well, well, she did eventually. In 2018, we were going to Orlando. It was a half seven in the morning flight to Manchester and then collecting flight to Orlando, Florida. When I booked six months prior, I put my wife's marriage name on the ticket her passport was her maiden name. Anyway, to make a long story short, she couldn't go. My two kids were devastated. We had to go. She stayed behind and she went home bawling from the airport. She went into Tour America and booked a flight for the next day. 1100 euro it cost. She then went home, got dressed and went to my grandmother's funeral. My grandmother died on the Wednesday and I was devastated I couldn't go to that. The next day, she was to fly out. I never went to bed in America to make sure she got to the airport on time with a wake-up call. But the fog at Cork Airport delayed her flight and she missed the 10 o'clock flight with Virgin from Manchester to Orlando. Remember now, she'd rebooked and spent another 1,100 euro on the flight. She rang me hysterical. Virgin found out what happened over the past couple of days and they came looking for her and brought her to a VIP lounge to comfort her. And they put her up on the noon midday flight 
which was two hours later. They upgraded her to first class and treated her like royalty. The pilot even knew about it and called her out over the intercom on the plane and told her to come to the cockpit and asked was she okay. It was an unreal gesture from Virgin and we eventually reunited after 36 hours. I hope that Tina got there. I know how she felt. Well, thank you for that. Tina did get there and I'm delighted also that so did your wife. And that was just a touch of class from from Virgin. I told you the story of my own situation with the a flight to uh, New York where there was a problem with the ESTA and uh, United Airlines, United, uh, put my wife on the next flight via Washington. No charge. Just uh, They could have charged for it. They could have asked for the money. It was a new flight and everything, and they didn't. And I've never forgotten that. So that's another great story. Well done to Virgin. And in this case, with regards to Tina, thank you to everybody at Swissport. Thank you to everybody at Cork Airport and indeed to Ryanair. Everybody came together really well on that one. So I'm delighted with it. Not so delighted as to the carry-on down Ballinor Way. I've seen the video footage. Seamus showed it to me over the weekend. And it's a swing set used by two children with autism that was literally stolen from the garden in Mahan. Uh, hi, Neil. I hope you or your listeners can help me. On Saturday night into Sunday morning, a swing set was stolen from my front garden. Uh, the garden furniture has been used as a therapy tool for my two severely autistic boys, age 9 and 10. Both are nonverbal and have been very upset since their beloved swing has gone missing from our home in Ballinor Crescent. It's really broken my heart that someone, in this case two people, would take such a simple thing. The swing set was out the front for the past four years untouched. The boys are still trying to wrap their heads around how this could happen. They're very upset, constantly crying. The CCTV footage shows two individuals, believed to be local, caught taking the set at half two in the morning and it's been handed over to the guardie. Can you ask your listeners if they saw anything around the Ballinor Crescent area? And would they contact their local Garda station if they have any information? Oh, and by the way, to those who have taken the swing, could they leave it somewhere and contact us or the Gardaí where we can collect it? It's just heartbreaking for us as a family. And I got so angry looking at the video footage because they sent me the video footage of these two characters, these two despicable individuals, literally walking in the driveway in the dead of night, you know, kind of like in a snaky kind of way like they do. One catching one side of it, the other catching the other side of it, and literally running off with the swing set. They probably are going to sell it. They're probably going to post it online, swing set for sale, 50 euro, whatever the case may be. But the damage they've done to these two lads is immeasurable. I don't know whether it will ever show up again, uh, but it shows the cruelty of the world, world sometimes that people don't realize what they're doing and the consequences they have for the people that they're doing it to. I don't know if they're going to turn up. I don't know if the guards will have any luck on that. But it would be great to replace the swing set. Don't know how much a swing set like that would cost. I don't know if they're very specific to the family. You may just go and buy your own one. But if you're finding that you can't, for whatever reason, do let me know and we will organize it. I'd happily buy a swing set myself for your two kids. So... Uh, don't know what they cost. I don't even know where you get them. Maybe there's somebody listening. Maybe it'll help in that regard. Text 0868 I'd love these characters to be caught. 
Um, and you wouldn't be wishing community service or a suspended sentence for something like that. She wouldn't. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to calls. Sean standing by. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. You betcha, and I plowed through some more texts and emails across the morning, but very busy phone-wise. Sean Wren is in touch from time to time. It's always great to chat with him. He is now living the life in Tenerife. Sean, good morning. What a morning. Can you hear me okay, Sean? No, that's not happening again for me. That's weird, isn't it? Strangest things happening with phones and tech, but uh, we'll bear with it and see if we can sort it out. Let me see if I can try him on another line. Uh, anyway, the gang will get him back from you in a few minutes' time. Just with regards to um, the kids that we serve, the food that we serve our kids, and Luigi down in La Bella Roma in uh, Yall, you know, defending his business and the food that he feeds children and talking about the poisoning of our children with chicken nuggets and sausages and uh, crappy cheap burgers. And he's saying that if the food is frozen or it's very cheap in the supermarket, ask yourself the question, can it be good for you? So that's the Italian way, certainly down there. And, uh, you know, I want to get more texts on that. If you have an opinion on the food we feed our children, text 0868104106. Let's see if this is any better. Sean. Good morning. Neil. There you are. That's probably my fault because I kept you waiting too long. So my apologies for that. No, right. no, okay. don't, don't worry. At, okay. least, at least though, I'm with you and I'm speaking to you. And that's all that matters. And Friday morning, what a mixed bag of program we had on Friday, of course. When you know, with certainly with Tina getting to her, were you were you afraid you were going to have a banger listening to see if she'd make the flight? <laughs> Susan and I were really, really hoping that she would eventually get there. And with your Red FM record, we said, of course, if he has to get it there, if he has to put her up on his back and swim, he'll do it. You think that we might have even rented hired a Learjet together there, do you? <laughs> yeah. And you know something, Neil, it, it was such uh, an uplift after the very, very sad call that you had with Father Jer, yeah. the, the terminally ill priest. Yeah, and you know, that was very touching, I have to say. And he, oh. he just struck me as an all-round lovely guy. And I got a massive response. I read out an awful lot of texts and emails from people. And then, you know, and then of course, we moved on to the Tina story. But I want to I wanna wish him well and acknowledge that of an course. awful lot of people were saying kind words to him in spite of the fact that he has, uh, you know, very, very, very tough battle ahead with terminal cancer, misfortune. What, what, what I loved about him, Neil, was his, um, he was so humble. And he, he, what touched a chord with me was towards the end of the conversation when he said that I didn't get everything right. And I, if, if I offended anybody, I would like to apologize to them. And he went on to say that he got most of his apologies. I think all but one have been accepted. Yeah. And I can, can I just bring, as I said, this struck a chord with me. And I, I decided I just had to write and, and tell you my story. And wh- when, while you were telling that story, and, and I don't mean to cut across you, part of my conversation with him uh, was when the bishop sometime back sent out a pastoral yeah. letter that he wanted all priests to read out from the pulpit. It was something along the lines at the time that, um, I, I'm not saying it was an excuse that was being made on behalf of the Catholic Church with regards to the sexual assaults and rapes and paedophilia of priests, but he he felt it was the wrong message and he refused to read it from the pulpit. Anyway, go ahead. And that's what I loved. And that's what struck the chord with me. Because if, if I can take it back to 1999, uh, there was a priest by the name of uh, Father Sean Fortune. And he was, let's say, second in line with Father Brendan Smith, who was a notorious paedophile. And Father Sean Fortune was charged with 66 charges against 29 boys in three different parishes. And he was uh, released 
on remand awaiting trial. But he didn't get to the trial because he took his own life That's rather right. than face, face the music. Correct. And this, let's say, the Sunday after Father... Indeed, Father some of his indeed some of his alleged victims, uh, and I say alleged victims only right. because they weren't before court, I, I do believe them, incidentally, they also took their own lives. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So the, the, this was, I mean, horrific. And now I, I must say at this stage, paedophilia to me is one of the grossest, most unforgiving, horrible things. And I'm usually, I'm very, very broad-minded. But uh, for personal reasons, I cannot tolerate No, 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 for personal or non-personal reasons, incidentally. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, on the Sunday after Father Sean Fortune took his own life, we lived in the country parish for 43 years, and the parish priest came out, who, was a, who I must say it was a lovely man, and always gave a lovely mass. But before he actually started the Mass, he said, uh, oh, terrible news about Father Sean Fortune, and it will take some moments now to uh, pray for the, uh, the repose we saw, blah, blah, blah. Was the man um, not following the narrative about he Fortune? Probably, no, he probably was, Neil. And I, I have no, no qualms with that. But... I was hoping that he would follow on and say, of course, let's also pray for those poor victims. But he didn't. He just decided to carry, well, start the Mass. And I said to Susan, I mean, that was like a red rag to a bull to me. And I said to Susan, I'm going to stand up and challenge him. And Susan says to me, you know what? I said, he should also ask for prayers for the victims. And Susan says, Sean, please, please, if I'm asking, please don't do this to me. In the middle of Mass you were going to do this, you're saying? Well, I was, uh, yes, I was yeah. going to, uh, because when I realised he wasn't going to do it, I felt he should have done it. And it, it was like a red rag to bull to me, Neil. So, for Susan, I didn't do it. In fact, when, nobody did. Nobody did, no. Uh, he just carried on. And... Uh, we, we, we all, we, we've always gone out for lunch on Sundays and tell you the truth uh, I was in very bad form I kept I said Sean for God's sake look it's over and done with he didn't mean it and he was only doing what he was supposed to do so I couldn't just could not get out of my mind so I wrote one of my famous letters to him and I said to him that uh, I thought it was very very unfair and very un, unthoughtful of him not to also mention the victims I said I, I have no no, no objection to asking for forgiveness or for prayers for Father Sean Fortune, but he has left people, young children. In I don't history. know about that, though. I'm, I'm just wondering whether he'll be better off saying nothing at all. Well, anyway, it's I, just I, my own thoughts. I, 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 I had to say it because that's how I felt. No, I no, think. I'm saying you said you had no problem with them saying prayers for Sean Fortune, Father Fortune. Well, for I, asking, I'm, for, I, I, I'm wondering whether the priest would have been better off saying nothing at all. Of course, of course. But as you said, maybe maybe he was told. Maybe 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 every every church in, in Cork and in all over the country at the time might have been directed to ask for forgiveness and prayers. Anyway, I don't know. So I wrote him a letter, and I uh, just what I said that I, I I was disappointed and shocked, and that I came out of the mass feeling far worse than going in. And I said, Father, I said, please start next Sunday's mass by asking for prayers for the poor and unfortunate victims of all paedophiles, priests, lay people, etc. And I said, if you don't, I will stand up, as I was going to last week, and I will ask you, why are you forgetting the victims? And he did come out, and he did 
in, and, and we were sitting quite near the front and he was looking straight into my eyes as he was saying we, we must pray we must never forget the victims of paedophiles whether they're clerics or lay people and he did what I asked him to do and I was very very pleased and I was delighted now, but what was his motivation I wonder Genuine or afraid that you oh, would stand no, up? No, he, he was, no, no, he was a lovely man. All no, right. No, was. I'm only asking because I don't. I wasn't there. Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was afraid because he probably knew that I would stand up. But he did it, Neil. Regardless, of, regardless, let's give the man the benefit. Did he ever chat with you after the event? Did you ever meet him after the event? I don't know. Um, we we met because, as I said, we lived there for years, and he was our parish priest. Being in the country, we used to do the stations in the house every couple of years. We met, and it was never mentioned. But I did notice that he didn't want to be on his own with me. And we, he christened uh, our grandchildren, even one of our sons brought his children from Canada to be christened, and it was all forgotten. So, to tell you the truth, that's, that was what I said it was, 1999. Yeah. But I'll fast forward now to 2018, at the end of 2018, 2019, which was three years ago. And Susan and I were with friends who were also parishioners, but not at that, t- that particular time because I'm much younger than us. And we were having lunch out in what used to be called Tennis Village. Is it McCarthy's, I think? Yeah, McCarthy's Tennis Village, yeah. 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 Happy and, days. Um, we, uh, our friend said, oh, look at Father Sonso over there. Now he'd been retired at this stage. Oh, I said, God, I hadn't seen him for years. And then that was it, because I, I, I never mentioned well, what, I, what I had done. That was between me and the priest. And he did what I asked him to do. And, was, and we met several times. As far as I was concerned, it was forgotten. But anyway, we were ha- midway through our lunch and who stood at our table? Only this priest. He was on his way out. So he said, oh, hello. How are all of you? It's lovely to see old parishioners with new parishioners. How are you, Sean? How are you, Susan? How was life in Tenerife? And then we had a small talk. And he said, you know something? He said, I came to this table to thank somebody who many years ago made me realize that I got things wrong. And she said, um, I was only discussing this recently with a friend of mine. He said, I told him the story. And he said, I really feel, I cannot quote it here, he said, without coming over. He said, Sean, you know what I'm talking about. And he put out his hand and he said, thanks, Sean, for that letter many years ago. Amazing, isn't it? That's yes, a, I, yeah. I was just dumbstruck. Yeah. yeah, it is emotional. I can understand why you find it emotional. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he said, he, he said, um, I want to thank you for opening my eyes and for opening my heart, and I also want you to know that I have terminal cancer and I could not take this to my grave. Wow, wow! Did he die sometime later? Then yeah, very soon after that. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing that that the universe would put the two of you together so close yeah. to his death to give him an opportunity like that. Exactly. We, we, we were in um, Tenerife. I mean, I'm going back three years. I'm in Tenerife 11 years. I, and now he was going to the Sunday Mass up there, but he was gone. He was gone, but and I, he, was, he was a lovely man. And I would have expected nothing less. I wonder, is that a lot more than just coincidence, Sean? You know, a story like that, oh, a situation. Oh, like Neil, I have so many stories of fate and things happening for a reason and you being in a place. And I could, I could tell you, <laughs> I could tell you different stories, hair-raising stories every single week that happened to me in my life. And I believe 
that things are out before you yeah. and you do, you just have absolutely no choice. And yeah. I'm sorry enough, I, I, that, that struck a chord there with me and... Uh, it, 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 it just upset me only for a second only for a second well you're just reliving his outstretched hand I suppose and yeah, the words that he exactly. said and, and I think it was a very sincere and firm handshake wasn't it oh I looked straight into my eyes and I'm a real eye contact person you know yeah and uh, I knew I knew and did, much, did that memory come back when you when you heard my chat with Father Jar then yes wait, 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 at the end when he when he was saying that he was dying and that he wanted to write things before he met his maker and of course I, Neil I had that completely forgotten yeah I had that completely forgotten I know I know, I know. yeah and our, 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 our neighbours were, were like their jaws were hanging open and they said my god if, you know wasn't that really nice did they know what he was referencing no no no, no I, but, but he he he, he, he he related the whole story. He didn't wait for me to explain to them later. He related the whole story. He said, this man, he said, wrote me a letter. Well, yes, the one thing which I forgot to, to tell you. He said, and when I got this letter, he said, I was very angry. And he said, I, I said to myself, will I, will, will I confront him now or, or, or will I sleep on this? Because I really don't know how to handle this. Yeah. And he said, I slept on it and I thought about it. And uh, now I'm telling you exactly. So oh, my God. Yeah. If we could all get that lesson, really, just to sit on things and don't react, yeah. you know, take yeah. five, take ten, take an hour, sleep on it. I mean, they don't say yeah. sleep on it for no reason at all, you know. Yes. And um, when, when that day, now when, when he did that and when I came out of the church and I was debating would I go into him, but I, I, I knew... It was not the time to go into him because I was raging. And why do you, I know, and why do you feel that sometimes priests are put between a rock and a hard place? Because they, they, they have people telling them what to do. People, people, and they're afraid not to do it. And, but now, I must say now, the priests nowadays are inclined to stand up and, and, um, I think they, they, they've been, no, I don't know, because I'm not a priest, and I'm not speaking for any particular priest, but I, I think they realise that they've been all painted with the one brush, and they want people to realise that they are not all the same. I know, and another thing I've noticed as well of late is that retiring priests tend to give their opinion on matters to do with the church um, exactly. a, a lot exactly. more now, whether it's, um, whether it's gay priests, whether it's um, priests who should be or should not be allowed to be married, uh, whether it's allowing um, you know changes to the priest that would allow women and I think that would be a good thing yes. to also yes. become more actively involved and be priests themselves they're, they're having opinions on those whereas before when they, you know, when they were working away they probably had to keep their head down you know yes I, 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 can, I, can I just tell you one other small thing yeah uh, yeah <laughs> um, I had a very good when, when I was an altar boy in Holy Trinity I had a very good friend a priest his name was Father Cormac and he was like a father figure to me because I didn't have a very good relationship with my father, never. But he, he was like my father and he was one of the most inspirational things ever in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my first encounter with, with a priest and I thought they were all very nice. But I've met some horrible priests in my day as well. Yeah, been, I suppose like I, any I've walk been, of life. I've met horrible people too. Yeah, that's the thing. And God knows. <laughs> and and I wouldn't be, I, for some, I wouldn't be the nicest person either. We all have our faults and failings. Well, I, I think you're faultless anyway. Oh, God, God, oh, you must be joking. And, and, and so does Kay, who says, hello to, Sh- so, hello to Sean from Kay, who used to work in Sean and Sue's. She says, you were the best boss ever. Do you remember Kay? Oh, of course I do. There you Nate, go. I, uh, as a matter of fact, the person that was with us at that, Sunday, that uh, lunch was the girl that worked with us as well. I'm in contact with, with girls that 
were our apprentices when we opened Sean and Sue in 96 days and I still get messages when I say I, I include Sue we still get messages and that's lovely and tell Kay that we had great times and I do think of her but I don't do Facebook friends and lots of people wonder but I'm always available on a messenger and I never forget all these lovely people that work with us and there was other people that said them Sean and Sue they're demons <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> they're, they're demons to work for. I doubt maybe that. We were, maybe, maybe we were. Well, time. it was all about giving them the training, my friend. Giving them yeah, the training yeah. to carry them on life. Listen, good to catch up regardless to, to both of you and uh, and give us our kind regards to Sue. Enjoy the sunshine in Tenerife and stay in touch, all right? I, oh, as soon as you will hit a chord with me, I'll be on to you. All right, my man, as always. And, lovely and, chat. And, 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 and thank you very much for, for uh, being with me every day. I told you that's the last time. You bet. Every day. You, you, you bring a piece of cork. Oh, I, I was in a restaurant the other day and there was I heard um, cork accent. I was just like, this is very quick down. And, All right, bye. I will. Yeah, I see you later. Okay. Yeah, bye, 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 bye. So I went over. I said, excuse me. I said, it's not a cork accent. It was a woman. So she said, tears up the rebels. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you staying? So I, I said, oh, I live here. I'm to you. How, how long um, How long are you here? Oh, I said, I'm here now, 11 years. <gasps> and I said to her, where are you staying? And her daughter's with her. She said, uh, come here, where are we staying? So the daughter said, where they were staying. And uh, she said, where did you live when you were in Cork? So I said, I lived out in Waterfall. Oh, Waterfall, yeah. Tell me, what were you? Who were you? What were you? <laughs> so, so I said, oh, we had a hair salad. And I said, Sean, and so, jeez, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Sean and Sue <laughs> she, she jumped up from the church gave a big hug so, oh, she said I said we were there for 43 years oh, Jesus I thought you were there 60 <laughs> so she, you know she was a lovely lovely lady and she, she made my day and I went away smiling it's always lovely I will always go over if I hear a cock act oh big time um, big time oh, without yeah. a doubt well, she made me laugh what I thought you were there 60 <laughs> I said yes. I said sure. People say, "Sean and Sue, are they still are they still alive?" <laughs> Might have just lovely, felt like sixty. Lovely Neil, bye. All the best, Sean. Take care, Sean Wren, Sean and Sue in Tenerife. Lovely email, actually. Um, just listen to your interview with uh, Father Jared Galvin. Uh, I have not seen him for a long time, but he is a very kind nature that came from his late father and his mother. They were so kind. They had a pub and shop in Timaleague. John Galvin was from the Kingdom of Kerry. And he was a big man with a heart as big. Jer's mother also had a big heart. Uh, she ran a tick shop system. I know because so often I went to Mrs. Galvin's for a bit of shopping for my mother. It went in the tick book and my mother paid up the following Saturday. His dad, John, was funny and a generous man. You never had to wait for a drink on the house until Christmas Eve uh, from Galvin. I don't belong to any religious cult anymore, but I do enjoy listening to Jer Galvin and loved your interview with my par- partner Alison here in Inchy Bridge in Timaleague. Jared is just such a humble man. Best wishes to him from Con Lucy and Alison Marsh by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. What a lovely, lovely man. I could listen to Father Jer all day. His choice of song, Celine Dion, is so beautiful. I'm wishing him all the best. I will pray for him, says uh, Caroline. Great man, God bless him. And just one or two more. Uh, he was absolutely the most beautiful interview. Father Jar, I wish him well. He's what I would call a lovely man. A lovely priest, says Lisa. Can't go on air, but the song is so appropriate as we buried our son three years ago 
at a very young age. I'm so sorry. I'm so sad to hear that. Uh, the song you're referring to was uh, the song we finished up, which was the song that George said he listens to a lot. Celine Dion uh, and Call the Man. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Hiya, Hilda. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm very well, and thanks so much for taking the call. It's a really important call because let it be a warning to everybody, you know, um, that you go out, you party, you take something, not knowing what it might be, it can have devastating consequences. We're kind of re- rewinding the clock back in your life uh, some years back. What what happened? Um, I went out to a party and I took ecstasy and it was laced in something and I got drug-induced psychosis. Oh, um, oh, yeah. God. You know, how does it, how does it happen? You, you take it and then clearly I, I've never taken ecstasy so I don't know how to compare it. You just start feeling a great buzz, is it? And you weren't getting that. Uh, no, but in in hindsight, if I'm if I'm entirely honest, I probably was a little bit vulnerable before I took it. Um, one of my close friends had committed suicide, or sorry, had taken um, his life, and um, also my best friend at the time when we were traveling, her sister had drowned. So there was a lot place. going on in my life. Yeah, mm. exactly. So. Mm probably not the, mo- the most stable of uh, headspaces. But yeah, but at the same time, you, you, you've admitted that you had taken ecstasy before, so it was yeah. a, maybe a bit of a run-of-the-mill um, you know, thing to do for you, but with devastating consequences, because you don't actually know what you're taking. This is it. Uh, no, it wasn't a run-of-the-mill thing for me to do. I, I was a completely sporty, outgoing person, and then I suppose, like most or other kids, I was curious, so I'd taken it maybe twice before, oh, okay. but this time yeah. it's like a Russian roulette, I suppose, when it comes to illegal drugs, because you just don't know what you're getting, and um, yeah, unfortunately, the the actually I took that night was laced in I don't know whatever it was hallucinogenic drugs um, it had dra- drastic effects on me um, I started getting completely paranoid um, and the night of the party um, yeah just complete reality just went out the window quite literally and um, yeah I ended up um, getting psychosis what and is that? What is, what is that? Describe that. Psychosis. It's literally when your brain is completely scrambled. You have no sense of reality. Um, for me, it started with paranoia. Uh, people moving off their eyes. I thought I was getting messages. I thought people were trying to. There was my parents were out to get me. My my there was in. It was just absolutely horrific. You lose all sense of reality. And it was absolutely terrifying. Um, I couldn't sleep. All my all my senses, my smell, my hearing, um, yeah, water, everything was heightened. And um, yeah, it was absolutely horrific. And was, you know, that paranoia, was that the reason that it led you to jumping out your bedroom window? See, honestly, I have I I think about that an awful lot, and I I can't tell you what I was thinking when I jumped out. I do remember thinking George Bush was trying to kill my mum at the time, oh and my, God. my father was on the phone trying to contact anyone that could help me because he was he realised that he needed to get me admitted. 
And when he was on the phone in the garden, I um, I was in my bedroom and I saw him. I was wondering who he was on the phone to. And yeah, I opened the bedroom window and out I, out I went and oh. I shattered both my heels. So I was then brought to um, St. Vincent. Vincent's, the psychiatric ward there for two to three weeks. Um, heavily sedated as they tried to do scramble and get the chemical balance right in my head. So, um, yeah, I didn't even realise I'd broken my legs for the first week. I kept trying to get out of bed. I wonder, did anybody, when you were in the care of hospitals and doctors, did anybody test your blood to see what you had? I'm just curious about what you had taken, you know, MDMA, uh, maybe an N-bomb or something like that, because we've heard of parties where people thought they were taking ecstasy and they weren't. They were taking a thing called the N-bomb and it led to catastrophic consequences where people literally turned into marching zombies. One misfortunate boy died. Really? Yes. Uh, like, yes. Yeah, I'm, I must... Um, I don't recall anyone telling... I'm sure they did test my um, blood, uh, what they found in it. I, I have no idea. Maybe there was some... LSD, but um, I, I I don't know the answer to that question. But it, it would have been interesting at the time to know, I'm sure. So, what was going on in your head then for a long period of time afterwards with the chemical imbalance? Were you withdrawn, unable unable to communicate, to think straight? Um, initially, I think the first set um, step in my whole journey was. Um, the psychiatric doctors wanted to get the balance right, so I was on antipsychotic meds. Um, and then I suppose when the psychosis stopped, um, I, I went home and I was in a wheelchair and I, I felt very numb. I'm sure anyone that suffered or is on these medications, sometimes if you, if you have too much of them, they can null everything, you know? Um, so when I was in a wheelchair... Yeah, I uh, I think I was very shamed about what I did. I felt complete guilt to my family and my friends that I put myself and them in this situation. And obviously, I was ex- extremely um, dependent on because I was in a wheelchair. And at the time, our house wasn't built uh, with a wheelchair in mind. I know, um, I know. But did you so, feel, I think you described yourself at the time as feeling vacant kind of numb mind brain not working to be honest that probably happened after I was in the wheelchair and I was quite determined to um, start walking again so I I did lots of rehab and then it was probably when I started a few weeks before I started walking that vacant numb feeling happened and then I suppose I was so focused on getting back that it was only when I did get back and everything started going wrong for me. That was the hardest part, not when I was in a wheelchair. So you had to, first of all, conquer the ability to walk again. Um, yeah, and I was told it would be hard. So um, they, they weren't very optimistic that I wouldn't have a limp. And um, I suppose that was my focus to get out of the wheelchair and start walking. But then when I did get out of the wheelchair and start walking, um I felt completely numb and then that's when the depression hit in, kicked in. And do you think that the depression and the suicidal thoughts was all down to your mind still being out of balance from whatever substance invaded your body? 
Yeah, it was I still do in. It was still in pri- there. Yeah, yeah. Because prior to the night when I took that, I had no mental health issues. Um, I was very, very mentally balanced, I suppose. Um, and after that happened, that that depression really kicked in. So yeah, I think you're correct there. And how did you deal with that? You had to get help for that, I'm sure. Yes, I did. I um, um, I had I had I had a I am a psychiatrist. Um, at the time, my, my first psychiatrist and I, I, I suppose, when you lose your mind, you're, you lose your voice as well. So I was, I, I felt that I wasn't really being heard, and I said I, I didn't think um, the balance was right between my antidepressants and the antipsychotic oh, meds. And I God. think there was a seesaw going on there, wasn't there? A hundred percent. And I think from their point of view, they really wanted to make sure that there was no more psychosis. So at the time. Maybe they were, they just didn't want to take one down and increase the other. But thankfully, I, I, um, uh, I, I had a bit of a, a speed bump and I, I, I got really down. I dropped, I enrolled in a postgraduate course and I dropped out of that. So my parents were very worried about me. I became very withdrawn, very quiet. Um, gosh, I spent a lot of time on my own. I didn't really want to go out or oh see anybody. God. Yeah. Yeah. So um I thankfully had another psychiatrist who was just amazing, um, Kevin Malone, and he really worked with me through counselling, healthy eating. I was take like no stimulants, coffee, drink, everything I was off them. And he started tapering down the antipsychotic. I, I stayed on my um antidepressants and I, I remember so well actually I was in Cork at the time and um, my dad was sailing down there in Kinsale and I remember my um, big brother who's incredibly witty cracked a joke and it was the first time I'd say in over a year I was able to feel a sense <laughs> just like I got the joke and I felt funny and I felt that I was feeling again it was just one of the nicest times That's after a, this ordeal. that was the turning point because you know yeah. in, in some, some, some years back I did speak with um, I dealt with a story where a young guy with a fantastic career ahead of him he had been picked out as being a real real uh, go-getter young fellow who was going to go places went on holidays with his mates overseas <clears throat> unfortunately he uh, took an ecstasy tablet that wasn't ecstasy on its own bad enough as many people would say that is um, yeah. and he also went into psychosis he did brain oh damage which which he has never recovered from he is a shell of his I former know. self he has never redeveloped his personality he is completely withdrawn yeah. and will never ever achieve his potential now because of it and it was just that one night his first holiday overseas yeah. I know. And you know, when you're young and you're curious, you know, we've all been there, but I just think we really need to realize that like once you start dabbling in illegal drugs, it's Russian roulette game and you can be unlucky. And I'm very grateful I was unlucky and I've recovered, but it's not, it's not the norm. And I think that's why myself and my family really want to speak out about this because like it's hard enough getting through life at the moment with media and the pressure to be yeah. Yeah. perfect. Like the kids these days are under so much more pressure than I was in, in my youth. And I had sport and I had great support, but you just don't know what you're taking. And I believe it's so much more, it's so strong and potent. Even marijuana these days, you can get psychosis from where 
you just... Well, we heard during the week that cocaine use has gone up. We've heard during the week that the use of crack cocaine has gone up five times. Um, Really? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And and heroin, of course, is a bigger problem than it was when you were going through this awful episode. In fact, everything is a bigger problem now than it was when you were going through this episode. So I'm suggesting that all of the warnings and all of the messages are having no effect whatsoever. Ecstasy and cocaine and all sorts of drugs like that are just part of the party now. I know, but then I suppose you need to pair it back also and wonder, you know, what's what's happening that if it's it's, it's a, if it's becoming so bad and and people are looking for escape, what's going on in 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 society? Like, I know with the girls, it's it's uncomfortably high. The self harm and 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 anorexia and stuff through COVID has just been just frightening. So, like, we, we kind of need to start talking and the government needs to start looking at things more. I think young people have that sense things. of, I think they have that sense of in, you know, th- that they're invincible. They're, they're invincible, that they live forever. And this is part of the, you know, the party in life that they're going through. And it's, you know, you, you just do these things, you know, not realizing know. that, as you say, it is Russian roulette. Yeah, well, I'll be definitely telling my kids that for sure. If you can even just just think before you, you take, take or think before you post something because you don't know what someone's going through, you know. Okay. And also, yeah, think before you put something in your mouth because it's, it's, it's illegal and the, the, they want to put all the stuff in to make it go further and you just don't know what you're taking. But are we reaching a stage where at some stage it will be legalised so at least then whatever is in the product is known? No? I have no clue. I do know that someone mentioned um, that in Spain and is it um, Holland there's testing kits that at least, you know, they're not. They, they're not. They're not legalizing it. But um, at least you can test and see what you're taking, and they can then know before they take what yeah. what's in it. Okay. I don't see that happening here. Well, thanks for sharing your story. Let it be a warning to those that are listening. And I'm delighted that life is so good. Um, thanks because, a million. You know, Lovely to chat. You came back. From I know. Well I, I feel very fortunate. <laughs> okay. Thanks Look a million. Enjoy the sunshine. You too, Hilda. Bye. Bye. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. I'm absolutely mortified. You know how I often put my big foot in it or my hoof in it? Um, happens from time to time. It happened last week ago talking about sexy dolphins. I think I've done it again. In fact, this time I've done it, somebody's actually referenced the sexy dolphin comment. That slurry you're thinking of, Neil, you sexy dolphin, yeah. Neil thinks of slurry, which is the poop that's spread on the field. Were you listening earlier on when I was saying, you know, the different smells and the emotional triggers from years back, from summertime, and it could be the smell of cut grass or the barbecue or the smell of silage. And I said, what in the name of God would anybody be having a happy memory of silage for? Silage is just the cutting of hay. I mean, you just won't believe me when I now tell you that I knew that all along. I know it's pathetic when people say, no, I, I, I mean, I knew that, I knew that. But I did, honestly. But whatever happened, I confused silage with slurry. Slurry is the poop. So that's the stuff you get caught behind on a country road and you can't overtake because it's dangerous. Silage is the cutting of the hay and the silage is all right. So is the slurry, I suppose, because it does a very important job, I believe. What do they do with it anyway? Is it carefully disposed of a slurry or does it really end up on the fields to grow our vegetables? (laughs) What we then eat? 
just hoping that the vegetables are well washed. Anyway, my apologies for the confusion of both. I probably wreck your heads when I do things like that. One thing I won't confuse is a big congratulations and well done. There was a bronze medal won yesterday in the World Double Skulls World Under-19s. Holly Davis from Ballancolic and Rachel Bradley from Monaghan our future Olympians and congratulations to both of them but if I could just single out Holly Davis being from Cork no disrespect to Rachel and congratulations to her as well but I know Holly's dad JD and it's amazing because Holly Davis is absolutely flying now in rowing and years back I remember having a conversation with her dad JD when they were putting the plan together for her to become our Olympian of tomorrow and a medalist and to do well. So it's amazing the plans that families sit down and they put together. And I can remember that conversation with JD about Holly years back when he was telling me, you know, this kid's got something and I would love to be able to help her on the journey. Clearly, the family did. And well done, JD, and all concerned, but particularly to Holly for getting the medal. And you'll move now from bronze to silver to gold. Oh, yes, you will. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Cork's Red FM, officially Ireland's music station of the year. Text 0868104106. Lots to do between now and midday, but I do want to talk to Bilal. Bilal is an Afghani man living in Cork. He's got his own shop, his own business on Patrick Street called Cool Islands. He sells handbags and mobile phones. Um, he's going through the horrors at the moment with what's happening in Afghanistan and what's happening in Kabul with regards to uh, the Taliban. Now, I mention all of this on top of the fact that there are quite an amount of Irish people working or living in Afghanistan and there are some medics and nurses there as well trying to do the best they can because there has been an ongoing war uh, as the Taliban moved closer and closer to uh, Kabul and they eventually now have taken the city and taken control of the country. But I'm just curious to get Bilal's thoughts on it because he has family back there and he's absolutely in the horrors with worry. Bilal, good morning. Good morning, sir. What's it like for your family? Are you in contact with them? I mean, where are they? Uh, yes, uh, I spoke this morning. They are very struggling and in bad situation. And uh, on Sunday night, they lost the family, like so many. I lost my family members and friends. And it's a very bad situation. When you say lost them, you, are you saying they died? Yes, they passed away, like around 18 people and so many injured on uh, Sunday night. Was that in a bomb attack or what? Yes, yes, there was a bomb attack on the, our village and city. And are you managing to stay? And this is 18 people in your local village who died in a bomb attack. Yes, yes, it's my family members, like my auntie, my cousins, and my dad's side, my mom's side, and my school friends. Oh, my God. And have you a brother in hospital? Yes, yes, my brother injured and my... Uh, yeah. And a cousin who lost his leg? Yes, yes, he's still, I spoke this morning, and he's still in hospital. He lost his leg, and uh, it's so many, you know, I can't, like, explain. Who should I explain? There's no one person, two person, or five person. It's near 50 people, they're injured, and 18 is passed away. And... The latest update, of course, is that the government has fallen, the president has fled, and the Taliban have entered Kabul. What will that mean now for your country? 
Oh, it's very bad. The president was right and he gave the option to the public to make decision and the Taliban, they control by force, by power. And now in the capital, everyone like scary, they, everyone at home, like my own family, they cannot go out. They... It's not safe. Yeah, it's, it's very hard, like very bad time right now there. What I can't understand, perhaps you can shed some light on it. If there are 300,000 soldiers in the Afghani army, how come they can't defeat 80,000 Taliban? Uh, there was an option by public. They came to the soldiers to don't fight and the public will be die. And the president gave him chance to become like peaceful to welcome. And they came by force, the Taliban. So the reason why they haven't been defeated is because they held this fear over people that they would kill civilians if the exactly. army engaged. Yes, yeah. yes, 100%. The president was a great man and he do, he tried to take advice from the public. If I make a fight, end of the day, local people is dying. The public is dying. And Where would you prefer to be right now, Bilal? Here? Or would you prefer to be back in Afghanistan with your family? Uh... I living since long time in Ireland, and uh, I'm happy I have my own business and everything. Uh, my like right now, struggling with my family. Like you know, the in bad situation here is more safe and at least end of the day peaceful. Are they desperate to get out of the country? I think aren't many people trying to go to Pakistan. I know that the Americans have gone back in and the British as well, but only to get their own people out, isn't it? Yeah, yes. Like this morning, I heard, uh, I spoke to my brother. There was American last flight, which one was uh, depart from Kabul. Everyone would try to run away and uh, try to get out reason of the Taliban. You know, Taliban mentality is different. If I go there, they know matching with me. They know whatever I want, they don't listen. Or whatever they want, I don't listen. Like uh, opposite and negative. What do they want to reimpose exactly? They want like they want power. You have to listen. Whatever is the right or wrong, you have to follow the rule. To put the country back in medieval times, to yeah, exactly. Fun- because right now in our city was the internet. I spoke to my brother like one week ago by internet, by Sky, by Facebook, by TikTok, wherever. Right now is no internet, no signal. You have to call by telephone straight. And there's a lot of gender-based violence against women and young young girls in particular, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. There was, a, in, I think, 3D or 4D before when they entered to the city, like far away from the capital, and they, like, uh, abuse childs and uh, kids and women. And they don't want women outside of the home. They don't want women working they don't want women going and young girls going to school or university. And if a woman were to go out, say, for instance, they would have to be accompanied by a man, full burqa, completely covered, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They had their own rule, like they had their own law. You have to follow the law, basically. You have to follow their own their rule. Whatever they think, you have to listen. There's no option anymore, like no answer to no. So all of the... Improvements over the past 20 years have been wiped out. It's gone. It's gone. I honestly, last night since Sunday, 
I didn't sleep. And uh, last night, I, I, all night I was awake. Like, I had a stress. You know, I had a, some problem. Like, I can't sleep since three nights. Day and night I'm awake. I read at the weekend as well that the Taliban are also raiding villages and towns for young girls to take them away as sex slaves for fighters. Uh, I can't comment to that because I didn't uh, see or I didn't hear that. Cause there's so many problems. There's no one problem we can talk. There's a 10 problem or 15 topic. It's an article this morning of a Cork woman who's working there as a nurse. Her name is Ifani Vuraku. She's from Waterfall working for Medicine Sans from Frontier. Uh, and um, she's painting an equally... Uh, worrying and frightening picture just like you so there are Cork people there as well um, and have yes, been yes. I know it's a lot of citizens Irish citizens they live in Afghanistan or uh, they've gone for holiday and they right now they're struggling there no flight no no way to come back and what would they would they shut down the economy turn off the internet close all universities uh, maybe all that internet is shut down. There's no internet right now in our city and our village. And there are suicide bombers running amok apparently in the capital. Yes, yes. This morning there was already fight this morning. <sighs> I know. The last, thing, the last thing you need me is throwing questions at you. So I do appreciate you taking the call, Bilal. What are your thoughts on America and the and NATO and the UK literally just pulling out. Yeah, they just gone. They left the country without without knowing the government. They just gone night time and they didn't mention like we leaving. They at least they should give a notice to the uh, Afghan government to the NATO and America. They didn't give a notice. They leave at three o'clock in the morning. Everyone was sleeping and they left the country without uh, notice. I also know that all radio stations have been closed down and I noticed another story that I was reading at the weekend where a young man got 100 lashes for listening to pop music. Yes, it's like mostly station is closed and mostly station they have to be changed to uh, Taliban news and Taliban uh, what you, whatever you call like uh, they have changed the station name and everything right now. Do you worry about the future then? For your country, for your family, for your people? Yeah, lots, lots, lots. Uh, I honestly, I had a very good uh, hope for future. Right now, my hope is gone. And my family right now is struggling. Uh, not just my family, everyone is like handed families right now. they in bad situation. Would you like to bring them here? Yeah, I would like to. That will be very good. I was try to talk to, to any TD or any parliament member or uh, to the justice uh, office uh, and solicitor to any scheme or any application will be available to uh, at least end of the day they will be safe. You know, Which is what you want. You want your family and your, your loved ones to be safe. Yeah, yeah. In, like, you know, they, they don't have any financial problem. They had a security problem. That's the main thing. And already they have begun to go through businesses. Um, yeah, everyone. Like, what, what, and they're taking women from the businesses. I know that all of the women, say, for instance, who worked in banks had to flee their jobs and the Taliban replaced all of the women's jobs with men, all men. 
Yes, yes, definitely. Yes, they will. Uh, maybe they will say, "Don't come anymore," or uh, there will be no way to come. Terrible injustice and terrible oppression happening before our eyes. That's true. True is. I don't know the future now. I can't decide what will be happen. And you're keeping an eye on it every waking moment, of course. Are you still? Every, yeah, and you're in touch with your family today, this morning. Yeah, you're yeah, saying this, this morning, half an hour ago, I was in uh, at home. I just called them because the internet doesn't work now. I have to get a top up and I have to get credit to call them. And there was everyone was in struggling basically, afraid to go outdoors. Yeah, yeah, everyone is inside. No one is allowed to go out, and everyone. They had everyone in their own pain. Like, if I ask, I ask. Yeah, I know. Do you think that the British Army, NATO, the UN, the Americans should go back in? Uh, I don't think so, because uh, when they came NATO in America or British, uh, they get their own result. Wherever there was in Afghanistan, they take already. Now is empty. Why they, they cannot go back? 100% I'm sure. There's also a man called Al Ahmed. Um, he's also here in Cork. He's an Afghan refugee. I wonder, do you know him perhaps? Uh, no, I don't know him. He also says that he gets no comfort. He can't sleep. I'm always waiting for the next bad phone call. Um, yeah, everyone is the same. Like everyone, they, everyone, they had their own family back home. And, uh, and he has family back else. there. He's got brothers and sisters. He has elderly parents, extended family members. They will be tortured or killed, he said, because they have just taken over his um, family village in Paktia. Do you know there? Yeah, it's a far away city from my city. I know, I hear the name, it's a far away. And it's true, he's right, 100% he mentioned anything, he's 100% right, it's yeah. true. Okay. So every city, they had their own problem, basically, their own fight, or they had their own, they're struggling with their own. I just wanted to put a call into you this morning. Um, it would seem that much of the world has forgotten about the plight and those countries that are powerful enough are only interested in getting their own people out. That's not good yes. enough. Yeah. Yes, yes, it's true, true. Okay. Okay, Bilal, listen, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Do feel free to stay in touch if you so choose. Awful times, uh, Bilal, of course, here in Cork with family and loved ones um, either dead, in fear, or in hospital. Lines open on 1850 104 106. Text 0868 104 106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086 8104 Red FM. One of the fears with the Taliban is that it will lead to a resurgence in Al Qaeda and that we'll be back to ISIS times again. Um, incidentally, I know that uh, Simon Coveney has been doing media this morning and he said that Ireland will take refugees from there. Um, I imagine, you know, that would only be uh, you know, like, a, like a teaspoon worth of refugees getting out of the country when you look at the scale of it. But he's saying that Ireland and as well as other countries will take refugees. I mean, if you contextualise it, the big, the real big worry for me is women and girls because um, there's been, you know, the, the whole mantra of the Taliban is that um, forced marriages, there's a lot of sexual violence against women, serious human rights abuses against civilians but primarily against women and their role in society there and that is a big worry for women and indeed 
uh, young girls. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that one. And uh, as I said, there are Cork people there. Referenced Ifeni uh, Varaku, who's a Cork woman who is nursing in Afghanistan, and uh, there are many people from Afghanistan who have come here and set up life here amongst them of course Bilal um, lines open at one 106 you can text 086-8104-106 can I just go back see if we can maybe just develop that other story from earlier on this morning because I've seen the video footage that came out of Balanur Dan Mahanway in the early hours of the morning these two uh, characters um, you know like they're wretched people these two they went in in the dead of night and they literally walked up a driveway picked up a double swing and walked down the driveway with it and took it away. God knows where they took it after that. But, of course, this is a double swing um, owned by Gillian and her family, and it's used by, by her two young sons who love it. They, they're on the autistic spectrum, and they get great fun with their two little swings, and they're absolutely, um, you know, devastated and crying all of the time now. And they can't understand, I guess, our process, why the swings are gone. Um, their mam, Gillian, joins me by phone. Gillian, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How well, are you? It's a terrible thing, and and you just get so angry looking at the footage. Um, this was like in what two o'clock, half two in the morning, was it? Yeah, it was half two in the morning. Um, like like normally, I'm up all hours, but this particular night, I actually, I actually went to bed early, and um, you know, the the pup was barking, and I thought nothing of it, like because she's still learning and stuff like that, and. Um, in the morning, um, you know, we we check the cameras because it's it's connected to the phone, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you check um, the cameras because so, the swing set was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, I couldn't believe it like that. The fact someone just came over the gate and just took it, you know, as if like it was no bother to them at all. You know, because the video ends as they just walk off. One of them on either side of the double swing walk down the driveway. Where do they, do they put it in a car or in the back of a van or what? I didn't see any car or van or on the video at all. But um, I'd say they just basically, basically took it and walked down the road with it, like. Um, but I'd say they didn't realise that we had cameras, you know. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you can see them, like. I mean, if you were to, if you were to still the camera on a good screen, you probably might be able to recognise, particularly the guy on the right. You see, I kind of keep to myself in my hand because I'm so busy with my two autistic kids and, you know, kind of like I'm running around constantly doing this, that or the other. Oh, but the guards, maybe. You've given the footage to the guards in Mahan, I assume. I have, yeah, I have. And how have your two lads reacted to this? Well, uh, it's my youngest, Scott. It, It was his swing, like. We bought it for him, like, and he has so much enjoyment out of it, like, the boys are both non-verbal, but they point, and, like, they're not stupid, you know, autistic kids are very intelligent, like, and um, he missed it, and he started crying, like, he's a quiet child, but he knows what's what, you know what I mean? So he started bawling, crying, um, you know, it was very upsetting for him, and he was, you know, he normally doesn't lash out or anything, but, um, Kind of, he knew it was missing, and it was very upsetting for him. Like, but ah, for God's sake! Like, I mean, I can understand. I mean, what do you say to him? You know, I said, I just like I said to him, you know, it's gone now, and you know, there's nothing we can do about it. But he took us hours and hours to calm him down. Like, where did you get it? I got it in um, the range. 
about two or th- uh, I think about four years ago, and the minute it came into the front garden, he was weak for it. And it was so sitting every- there. It was sitting there four years, was it? Yeah. Until these wretched people came along and just took it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it, like because my neighbours in Ballinor Crescent, like, are great. They're lovely. Just the fact of nobody seeing it, like, and them just hopping over the gate, I actually couldn't believe it, like. What will they do with that? Will they sell it? Or what? I don't know. They what probably they... will. Yeah. They probably will. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know yeah. like, I'd say they, it's well gone by now, anyway. Um... J.J. Brown has Brown Brothers and they do the playgrounds for the council and things like that. They manufacture a lot of equipment like that, I believe. J.J. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me all right, J.J.? I can hear you all right, Neil. Are you in the manufacturing game? We're not. We're suppliers. Suppliers. Okay, so you import, is it? We import it. We install all the public playgrounds for the council. All right. And you heard of Gillian's story with these... Characters did, who stole the swing. We did. We yeah. did. You we wa- did. Do you want to help? We will help her out, yes. We'll get a swing for her there and uh, we'll sort it out in the next two weeks for her. Will you be able to provide a double swing like the one that was taken? We can. We can. I'll just have to meet her and, and talk to her, but we'll be able to sort it out fine. You're so kind. And you will do Thank this you off, you'll do this off your we'll own? We'll do this. We'll do this free gratis. There's no problem. Isn't it an awful thing to happen to a family? It is. We we deal a lot, Neil, with um, artistic schools and everything. You know, at the minute, that's why we can't do it for the next two weeks because we're working in so many different schools trying to get them finished before the kids come back. But the minute we get them done, we'll be on straight away to her. And would you be able to secure it in some way, shape or fashion? We'll, there'll be nobody taking this one away. <laughs> and we'll make sure of that one. Gillian, how do you feel about that? I'm I'm very very grateful. I know there's a couple of weeks on it, but if you can hang in there, all will be well. And this will be a damn sight more secure than the one that was there. I'm very very grateful, and thank you so much. And you no have problem, to you, you have to try and let the lads know that there might be a little bit of a wait, you know, Scott and his yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold on, hold on there a second. Just um, get to my phone lines again, Carmel. Yes, dear. Was Paddy out or something walking around? Was it around Black Rock or Mahan or what? I tell you what, we, we have a little dog and he takes him out for a walk every morning. So he went down the walkway down by the garage on the Scahard Road and he saw the two-seater garden bench and there were another couple of people there as well and they were looking at it and they were saying, well, you know, if I got somebody, you know, I'd take it home. So he thought it had been dumped, obviously. Right. But at the back of his mind, he kept saying it's very, it's in very good condition, doesn't need anything doing to it. So he said, look, I, what I do, I'll go down, I'll bring it up and we'll see. Yeah. So a friend of his went down with him and they brought it up. And then we heard this morning that it had been stolen from Ballinor Avenue. So Paddy rang the guard straight, the, the guard the station, I think it was Anglesey Street, he rang. And he reported that he had it and that it was there. Whoever wanted, whoever owned it could come and take it or whatever. So um, then um, he he's hopping and tossing around the place there for the last 20 minutes. So he decided now he would go over to Bellinor Avenue, inquire in the shop to know that did they know the person who had it stolen from. So that's where he is now at the moment. And where did he find it exactly? 
You know where the, the Maxwell garage? There's a walkway to the left. You go on the Skehard Road. Now. Yes, I the do right know this gar- I know that garage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the garage. Just just beyond the garage, there's a walkway. You just go down. There's a slip, and you go down, and you walk up towards Rochestone. And they just threw it there and abandoned it there. Which, uh, yeah, they, I have to say now, if they threw it, it might have broken or bent or whatever, but it seemed to be perfect. So to, to us, we thought somebody just left it there. Okay, and you, you, you've seen it, have you? I have, yeah. We have it in the back garden here. And is it wood or is it, what's it made out of? It's metal, it's metal. It's um, like it's garden furniture, so obviously it is, you know, it's storage, very storage. There's two Colour. swing chairs and a little table in the middle. Is that yours, Gillian? Um, it's black. Um, yeah. It has a little table in the middle. That's, and, um, that's your, that's and it's a thing. You That's know? your swing chair, and Carmel and Paddy Dennehy have it. <laughs> That's lovely. All right, so um, can yeah, go on. Um, whereabouts are they? So can I, can, can I? Can I maybe swap numbers with you, and you can be reunited with it? Yeah, please. But what will we do with the state of the art one that JJ Brown from Brown's Brothers wants to sort out? I think the one that's more um, more sturdy be better that he would make that would be two weeks. I agree, actually. Would that still be okay with you, JJ? That would be okay, Neil. And even if they could put the other one back until we come, it would be great as well. And that's my next thing. Just put the other be one... Better off. Yeah. She'd be better off, we'll say, to, to get the right one. Do you know what I mean? That will last them forever more. Listen, you know thank I mean? you so much for your kind offer. It's a very generous thing. And I will allow you to carry on and make that happen. And we'll chat again in a fortnight, all right? Yeah, perfect. All right, JJ. All the best, JJ, and thank you. Thank you. Cheers. JJ Brown from Brown Brothers Guys. Remember them next time you're looking for something like this. So, in the meantime, Gillian, you'll have your own one back and a damn sight better one on the way. (laughs) All right? Okay, I seem to have dropped a line there. Carmel? Yes, dear. Fair play. I'm going to put you back on hold. You can swap numbers with Gillian. Thank you so much to you and to your husband, Paddy, who was on the ball. Fair play to him. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, indeed, yeah. Okay. Thanks very much, Neil. Delighted. Okay, great job, Don, and you'll have and well done, Carmel and Paddy. You'll have a couple of happy lads who have their swing back for the next couple of weeks, and then Brown Brothers will put in the state of the art one, and there'll be no moving it. As to why they took it in the first place, what motivates these people, I don't know. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Great chat last week as well with uh, Derry from Zico. I have fond memories of Derry dropping my late father food when he was in the South Infirmary. It would be rung in for collection, but Derry would know the voice and he would deliver it personally. It wasn't just a delivery to my dad. It was a chat, a friendly face. Best of luck to Derry in retirement and to all of his family. Of course, we're chatting with Derry on the air because after 40 years, he's hanging up the apron and going to retire and take it easy. And Zico was no more from last night. Uh, that man is a gent. I can remember in the 80s when I worked in juries, I'd call there every night after work for a chat. Such a lovely man. Fantastic staff through the years. It'll be a big loss to Cork. I wish him so much happiness. He deserves every minute. It's all very well heading in there for a chat, and I'm sure you all enjoyed your chats, but I also hope you bought a bag of chips. Best of luck to Derry from Joe and Frank Payton, the Paytons. Great family. Know them all well. Morning to Joe and morning to Frank. Um, Not too far from Zeke O'Neill is the Golden Fry in Ballancolig, and well worth a visit. 
and so say all of us. They say they have fab chips. You want to talk about fab chips? I swear to God, I don't know why I do it, but a lot of the time if I'm ordering food, I will get a side order, as I call chips, other people call them fries. And the buzz inside in town, because I was in there twice last week, was just incredible. I mean, particularly when the sun shines. And on Thursday, myself and a buddy of mine, Kevin, uh, booked a table and uh, had lunch. Luckily got a table in Rossini on Princess Street. It was, I mean, the buzz and everybody outdoors. You could be anywhere on the Mediterranean. And I hope that this all continues when COVID is just a distant memory or turns into the way we will deal with it in the future, just like flu. Because the outdoor hospitality is just a joy. It really and truly is. Um, And, you know, lots and lots of people eating, lots of people enjoying themselves. Um, I got a, a thing called the, um, I got the seafood uh, pasta, which is seafood with spaghetti. And they're really proud of it. And because all of our seafood comes fresh every morning from the English market. So you can see from, from tide to table there straight away. But the seafood pasta comes wrapped in tinfoil and, and it literally is inside in the tinfoil and you pull the tinfoil back and you get this explosion of, of, of aroma. And then the taste, of course. And if you put a little bit of chili oil into it or a couple of chili flakes, it just brightens it even more. It's a fantastic experience. And Kevin had the, the polo fungi taglatelli, which is, yeah, you're right. The, the tinfoil is in the shape of a swan. But I got over that. Got dug into it. Uh, fabulous presentation of the, the seafood pasta. And he had the polo fungi taglatelli. And that was amazing. Do you know if you get your food and you see somebody else's and you want that as well? Um, but the table next to us, there was a woman with a young fly. I imagine it might have been her son. I think it was probably her son. Uh, and whatever we overheard when we were eating, I heard her saying to the waitress, what are they having? What are they having there? The man said, well, one gentleman here having the seafood pasta and the other fellow having the... We love that as well. We love one each of those two. And out they came. <laughs> They're the exact same food. But they do a double dip chip there. I don't know if you've had the chips in Rossini. They do a double dip chip, which is a longer thicker, double-dipped chip. Like, I haven't, I, but I have had that linguine fruta de mar. And it's is that what it's called? The linguine fruta de mar? Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. But my husband is one of those people, actually. He's he's a creep. Like, he'll go into... Sorry, I think we're... It's something. He's a creep? He's a creep in restaurants. He, like, literally, he'll walk in and he'll be looking at everyone's plate. He's dead right. <laughs> he's dead right. He is right, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if you or see it and it looks brilliant... Yeah, yeah. Order it. It's the way to do it. And that's exactly what this woman did. She had the polo fungi. The young, actually, and the young fella had the what you call it again? Fruity de mar yeah, linguine. Fruity de mar, probably. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my it's god. Beautiful. It's what I order every time I go in there. Actually. Well done, Tori, and everybody involved. It was just a wow, and everybody on the street was so enjoying themselves. Anyway, how to get onto that? Oh yeah, the golden fried chips. Yeah, thank you. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Not such. Not such great news on a couple of topics from from last week. I just want to keep you up to date on different stories as they're developing. And you remember I spoke to Jane, a drug dealer set fire to her flat. And this has been going on for two years now. Um, There was a guy originally, you might remember the conversation I had with her. He was shooting up outside her door. She went out to him and asked him very calmly and politely to move on. And, And that's when all of the abuse started. And since then, they've been banging on our doors. They've been verbally abusing her. She calls the guards every time. Uh, they're writing RIP on her door. They're putting rest in peace and marker on her windows. They set the back of the flat on fire. They have on numerous occasions tried to break in. She was physically assaulted and beaten up in March by a gang of the drug dealers down 
the avenue. It's the avenue off Grattan Street, one of the avenues there. Um, literally ran up behind her. She lives alone. Uh, they constantly threatened to stick her, which means stab her. She said constant emailing with counsel to try and get out of there. Um, she's been in and out to the guards, but she seems to be going nowhere and she's afraid that she's going to be found by her carer dead in bed or burnt alive. Um, and I chatted with her on the air. On top of that then, um, the boiler's been busted since February. She's had no hot water and it's destroying all of the floors and she's suffering very badly with depression because of all of this anxiety, stress and is already living with fibromyalgia. So her situation and her scenario couldn't get any worse. And that was the conversation. Uh, I believe um, before we even got off air um, on, uh, was that Thursday? I think that was on Thursday's program. I think before we even got on air, off air, uh, three people, uh, three uh, tradesmen working for city council, probably plumbing, uh, were at her flat, at least looking at the plumbing and the boiler and the water issue. So that got, you know, somebody was listening to that and that got rectified. But just to bring you up to date, because we sent the audio uh, and also sent all of the details and information to Cork City Council um, and then reminded them of the fact that we sent it to them. And eventually this morning, I got a very short to the point standard response um, from City Council's uh, housing office, or at least the communications department of it. They said, Cork City Council cannot comment on individual cases, but engages regularly with and supports tenants around alleged antisocial behaviour experienced at their homes. Uh, Cork City Council also advises tenants to contact Angarda Shikona when necessary. And that's from the comms office of Cork City Council. Anglesey Street Garda Station have also come back and they said that they are investigating. They are now aware of her situation. They acknowledge that there had been call-outs in the past and they are investigating. And that's literally where it ends at this point in time. A fairly standard um, non-committal response from Cork City Council, which is worrying for me, actually. If I'm to believe 100% what Jane was telling me, and I do believe what she's saying, uh, that will come as little or indeed no consolation to her. Um, you know, a response like we engage regularly and support with tenants around alleged antisocial behaviour. That doesn't fix her problem. And of course, the nightmare continues and will continue until she is rehoused or moved. And I would think that this is a special case and I would again urge, urge, although they probably won't necessarily listen to me, but I would urge them to look again and to move her up with regards to a priority list and to help her rather than saying, you know, contact the Garda Shikona. Remember, somebody in City Hall said to her, ah, yeah, but sure, I could also be murdered in my bed at night. Not the kind of response you want to give somebody like Jane who's living with what she's living with. So, uh, I'll stay on, we'll stay on top of this and see if we can move it along in some way, shape or form. But right now, it's it's not looking all that very, not all that optimistic. It's just fairly standard responses from both Cork City Council's uh, housing department and indeed Anglesey Street Garda Station. Moving these characters along or arresting this gang makes no difference because the gang changes all of the time. It's used as a den for drug dealing and also for drug taking. So there you have it. You're up to date. Just texting in about Neil's story at the moment. I just drove down James Street and there's a group of lads injecting themselves. One was actually in my way injecting into his leg and he wouldn't move until he'd finished injecting. I'm absolutely traumatized. I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old in the car. Um, a 
obviously you had to stop because you didn't drive over them, of course. Thank God they're clueless to that horrible carry on, my children. But this was at 11 o'clock in the morning. There are crowds of them everywhere. It's awful. So she stops the car and has to wait to drive on until your man is finished injecting heroin into his leg. If Michal Martin can have a Garda patrol car outside his door in Bannonlock 24 hours a day, 365 a year, why can't the people of Grattan Street have the same kind of protection? Yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, you would think so, wouldn't you, Eric? But thanks for the email all the same. Uh, and one final one. How come there isn't anything on your program about the stabbing in Kinsale last Wednesday night? Is it just because it's Kinsale that it's not on media? It was like something out of a war zone down here. There was a man and a woman stabbed and two were taken in for questioning. Um, can't say any more apart from the fact that this is on my doorstep. But why aren't you talking about it? Well, I wasn't talking about it because I didn't know about it until you sent me the email. But we did check with Garda and Garda Press said that Garda were investigating, are investigating an, an, an incident that occurred at half ten Wednesday night in Kinsale. And a man and woman in their 20s sustained injuries because of the assault taken to CUH with non-life-threatening injuries. Two men in their 20s and 50s were arrested, taken to Bandon Garda Station. Two men have been arrested since and have been charged in connection with the incident. And they appeared before a special sitting of Cork City District Court at half ten Friday morning. So that was quite fast. Don't know what happened in court. I can get the press reports on that. But when the guardies say sustained injuries, uh, my emailer is saying that that was a double stabbing incident. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. Geraldine, good morning. Hi, how are you? Um, bit of a holiday mess story, is it? God, we've had many of those. Yeah, um, I was just wondering if any of your listeners might be able to direct me in the right direction. So basically, we both got, my husband and I both got our second vaccine on the 3rd of July. And uh, the 4th of August, I said, look, I'll ring the COVID search helpline and just see what the delay is. And mine, I was told, was on a different system. And it had to be cut, copied and pasted over. And my husband's didn't exist. That was after a five and a half hour wait. Um, From so the 3rd of July of, to the 4th of August. You were, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You were um, on hold for a long time on the helpline. Five and a half hours. In one go? In one go. How um, did you hack that for five and a half hours? I had to because there's, there's no other way of sorting out the situation than just, you know... You know, the, you know the Spanish helpline is 24-7 and answers within five minutes and sol- solves your problem within 15 minutes. Well, this is ongoing. That was the first phone call. And um, the next day I was able to check on the portal and mine was processing. But my husband it just said, there's information missing, please contact. So I waited um, the five working days, which would have been seven days. And I waited three and a half hours uh, again. <clears throat> and um, I was told that they had actually spelt his name wrong and would have to go back to the HSE for approval. And not to worry, I'll have it within five days. Clearly, I didn't. Um, when I checked the portal, it's still saying that there's information missing. So this morning, I started ringing at half eight and I eventually got through at 20 to 11. And what I'm being told by the COVID search helpline is that if there's any amendments made or if the vaccine was administered by the GP, the information has to be um, approved by the HSC before they can then issue the cert. 
Yeah, but so that's six said, weeks ago. <clears throat> they said their hands were completely tied. Now, she was very, very nice, but she said, it's with the HSC. So, after many phone calls, I got through to the HSC, who told me, no, it has nothing to do with them. No, All they do sick. is store the data. And that I would have to ring back up the COVID cert helpline. Why don't you do all of this online? Because when you when I put in my husband's details, it's directing me to ring the COVID helpline oh, because they're God's saying that there's sake. information missing. So until the information is approved by the HSC, it won't actually come up on the the. Portal. But don't you hate that when somebody tells you it's someone else's issue and you get on to the other person and they tell you that it's not, go back to person one. Isn't that exactly. frustrating beyond words? Yeah. And I just don't know now where I ring next because the HSC are saying it's the COVID search helpline and the COVID search helpline are saying we actually can't do anything until the information is approved by the HSC. So I'm just stuck in the middle now. And the and the GP is not the port of call on this, no? Your husband's GP? No, no, no. I contacted the GP before and the GP has submitted the information. Um, the HSC have said that they were looking at my husband's details on, on the, the screen and everything was correct and they couldn't understand. And did they read out all of the information to you? Yes. And did it they appear correct to you? I mean, is the name spelt right? The dates mm-hmm. of the vaccinations are right and everything? Everything everything is correct now. And um, the digital search helpline are saying that it needs to be approved by the HSC and the HSC are saying we don't understand what they mean by it needs to be approved by us. All we do is throw the information. So, and so even if we go to the airport with the card, um, I can't pull up on my phone, look, it's being processed. It's like he's not in the system, even though he is in the system. I know, I know, I know. What was it? Was it a misspelling of his name? Yeah, um, they added an S, or a G, sorry, to his name. And so, was did you actually get a COVID cert with a misspelled name? No, no, no. We When I initially rang to find out what delay, sorry, the delay was, it's only then we discovered that the um, there was a misspelling. Um, and had to go to be approved and mine had to go to be approved because it was being co- copied and pasted from a different system. And you st- you haven't got yours either, no? Still? No, but mine is being processed. Okay, and when... I can actually check. When do you need it? Processed. I need it for Monday. Next Monday? This day yeah, week. I know I'm not going to have it by Monday. So. And in the event of you not having it, do you have a plan B? Well, I rang... The HSC holiday the holiday helpline, and what I was told, which isn't very reassuring, is that the cards should work for entry into the country that we are going to. They look, f- they will look for a QR cert. And my advice to you is, if this nightmare isn't resolved in the next couple of days, then maybe on Friday you go to Randox and get a PCR test. Mm-hmm. It'll cost you sixty nine euro each. They they will give you a cert with a QR code and that will be enough. Where are you going? Spain. Yeah. Would you do that? Yeah. I might have to, but if you, you want hundred percent peace of mind, that's yeah. what you that's what you will need to do. Yeah. It's it's just 
very frustrating. And I was just wondering if any of your callers yeah. um, Let's find out. were experiencing the same and if they managed to go down a different avenue and get results because this is going on since the 4th of August. It's gone on over six weeks now. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And the vaccination was the 3rd of July, but the contact to um, initiate the... Yeah, but you're supposed, to get a, you're supposed to get it 10 days later, aren't you? Well, from what I'm gathering from a lot of people, anybody who got them done um, pre-July um, 19th from the GP, there is a huge delay. There's a lot of people who got them uh, January, February, March, and they still don't have them. All right, well, I'm glad... A, they're on a different about. system. Yeah, the GP-administered vaccine system. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. All right, well, let's see if anybody else has been through any kind of similar story and how it played out for them. But uh, anyway, that's my Tuppence worth. If you're not hearing anything and you're being given... All sorts of different conflicting stories. Yeah. Then I just get a PCR test. It's going to cost you uh, just change out of 140 euro for the two of you. But you'll have no issue with that cert then. None. You'll have a QR code and everything. I was told coming home there would be absolutely no issue with accepting the vaccination card to enter back into Ireland. That's fine, but there well, there's two or three different. In Spain, yeah. you go two or three. You go to, through at least two different checks: the passport mm-hmm. one and then the second one is the COVID one and you want your ducks in a row for that or they'll send you back, you know. So, okay. I mean, okay. if you wanted to be 100% sure and not be living with anxiety on the flight, get the PCR tests. PCR tests. Yeah. Okay. Stay in touch, Geraldine, all right? So and we'll see okay. if anybody Thank else has so been much. through a similar scenario. Okay. Cheers for now. Text 0868104106 if you've been through that or indeed, I hope you can make sense of it because we walk through it quite carefully and uh, it should be apparent as to what's happening with her. If you have something similar and you got a result in it, do get in touch. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red I FM. I never said the Golden Fry was in Ballincollig. I said it was in Black, in Ballinlock. Did I? No. No. I mean, Ballincollig claims a lot these days, but they can't claim the Golden Fry. Actually, not too far from it is a place called Crookstown. Well, it's out the road a bit further. But I hear tell from a text here that says that, uh, can you please give a big shout out to Crookstown as it's the most expensive place in Cork to buy a house at present? Was there some report that said that Crookstown is the most expensive place to buy a home? I mean, it's a beautiful place. I don't want to take from it. Uh, you can see them all rubbing their hands this morning in Crookstown in Glee. Also, can you say a big hello to Mother Anne Holden and Mary Corcoran, uh, next door neighbours who never miss your programme. She has Red FM on every morning uh, from 6am to 6pm. Thanks, Neil, and all of the gang. So good morning, to, particularly to Anne and to Mary and to everybody in Crookstown rubbing their hands in Glee as Cork's most expensive place to buy a house. And there was I thinking... Reggie has always been saying it's the Black Rock Road and it's his house on the Black Rock Road, his and Hoggies and Sean Mac, Sean Mac, Sean Mac, or wherever his name is. Do you follow Pat Fitzpatrick on Twitter, lads? If you don't, you should. You know the Ask Audrey like, at Ask Audrey like. It's so funny. Every single week I look forward to them. I mean, he does a few updates a week, in fairness to him. They're very funny, Reggie, on the Black Rock Road. Check him out. Just one or two more. Uh, morning to all. Hope all is well. A good friend of the program, Holly O'Donoghue, is celebrating his 70th birthday today. If you could give a mention, please, it would be great. From all the O'Donovans and Old Chapel Bandon, thanks a million, says, o- says Donald. Yes, to the great Holly. Happy birthday for today, Holly. On behalf of us all and all that know you. Morning. Hope this text finds you well. Big hello, please, to my wife, Becky. This weekend was so, so special for her and our family. Lillian, our daughter, was 10, and we did a movie night. 
party. Tent, beds, film, etc. for five of her buddies. But the big surprise was Becky's family came over from Birmingham for the party. Becky hasn't physically seen her mom or dad and family for over two years. Um, oh my God, we were in floods when they walked through the door. Becky is pastry chef in the Imperial Hotel and listens to Neil without fail Monday to Friday. I know she'd love an old mention, Neil, just to say hi and enjoy the break with the family. Thanks again, says Tom English. So happy to do that. Job done, and we'll do some more shout outs tomorrow. Oh, and also, can I just mention? I was talking earlier on about the things you can and can't go to, and things you can and can't do during uh, COVID. And I said it was coming through Kilorglin, and they had a huge big fun fair on, and the Merries, and all of the sounds coming from the Merries. And I was saying, oh, that's interesting. You can do these kind of things, but yet musicians can't do their thing. Um, and Seamus checked, and apparently, fun fairs are allowed to operate outdoors, as they do as long as the numbers are controlled and sanitization units are on each ride. The funfair industry argued that playgrounds were open right through COVID. Indoor funfairs like Perks remain closed, but the outdoors, the Marys, are open for business. And that's why there's one rocking in Kilorglan as we speak. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.